Hello and welcome to episode 183 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode Flipping Out because... Well, really, it's because that's pretty much how the whole internet reacted after last week's Smash Direct. I mean, they, they flipped. I mean, did you see how fast those Luigi or Dead memes went around the internet? It was very fast. Very fast. Very fast. Even CBS caught wind of it. Even BBC caught wind of it. BBC? BBC. Wow. The they cared enough? and only BBC caught huh. wind of it and did a whole article about it. But Jeez. for the sake, or at least I think they did. Unless I'm thinking of something else. Maybe all that reaction was for nothing. But regardless, the title. For, for the uh, for the sake of putting out a good front for all of you, we're also calling this Flipping Out because uh, later in the show we'll be sharing impressions of Zoink's new Switch game, Flipping Death. So kind of a little one-two name punch there. But along with that, we also got our thoughts on a uh, bunch of new announcements, both of new games and new ports coming to Switch, ranging from Doom to Diablo to the significantly less gloomy uh, rumor of New Super Mario Bros. U getting ported. Plus, we have impressions of a neat little Switch puzzle game called Yuso later in the show. So, as always, there are timestamps over at RamTunnel.com on the blog post for this episode. There are timestamps under this episode video if you're watching it on our YouTube channel at RamNintendo.com. And uh, without any further ado, let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about why everyone was flipping out over Smash Bros. There is, quite frankly, a lot to say about that new Smash Bros. Direct. It, it's been around, I think it'll be around 10 days when this episode goes up since the, pres- uh, since the presentation aired. And even though the dust has kind of settled, it still seems like there's almost like an overwhelming amount of detail that was in that video. It's crazy. And to think like that's not even all of it. I mean, we now know that Ultimate really does live up to its name. It, it could very well be the best bang for your buck of any game ever, potentially, because you have 900 pieces of music, 100 stages, 300 if you count the Omega and Battlefield form of each, 70 plus fighters. I mean, you could you could argue that those 900 tracks, 800 tracks plus 100 sound effects or whatever, that's 28 hours of music right there. That is worth $60 in and of itself if you were to buy it. That's like significantly more if you were buying buy it on iTunes or whatnot. Yeah, it's easily more than 60 bucks. Yeah, and then like, you know, that's and it comes with that whole music player mode, which is kind of cool. Speaking of which, there is no way that anybody on the face of this planet is going to use that music mode as dramatically as that lady did where she put her headphone in really slow and then whipped her hair all dramatically. Like, I couldn't tell if that was a parody of a, like, tech lifestyle ad or if Nintendo's really like, yeah, let's make a tech lifestyle ad and that's what they came up with. It was, like, right on the line, but... It'll be one person. It'll be ten. Well, there'll be someone doing it mockingly, but I mean genuinely. Is there really going to be someone that gets out of a subway and just, like, just whip my hair aside and turn on some DK rap? Like, I don't... I don't see that happening. I just don't. Specifically to DK rap. DK rap specifically, yeah. But, um, I mean, it's a cool feature nonetheless, don't get me wrong. Um, especially since it does work with the street screen turned off. That's just the one jarring moment in the whole presentation. But Which does, I feel like that mode in and of itself does say a lot about Smash Bros. and I guess the amount of effort they're putting into the game. I agree. Just because, like, you, they didn't have to put that in there. Like, I mean, it, it's a throwaway. Like, yeah, it's literally unnecessary. You know what's funny is it probably didn't even take that long to code, which even that more more that more in of itself means that like someone yeah. bothered or asked Sakura maybe he wanted it in there, but I mean I, I'm sure the higher ups were like no, don't bother, but I don't know. And Sakura's like no, you hired me, I do what I want. Yeah, it's it. a it's a testament. It's, it's it really pretty, is, yeah. and you know it's actually kind of funny. Like, do you remember? Um, I think we talked about a couple months ago. They had a shareholder meeting, and in the shareholder meeting, a shareholder like 
hey, how are you going to make your music more accessible? Like, could you put more on iTunes? And they're like, oh, we'll try in the future. If this was Nintendo of like five years ago, this would be their answer. Like, well, it's not on iTunes. But if you go buy a $300 Switch and a $60 game, you do have access to 28 hours of our music. Like, that's totally what oh, old they, Nintendo they would have done. One of Superstar on it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, anytime I hear that song, like it came up when they showed the new Donk City footage, you know, the stage yeah, 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 is now yeah. confirmed and they showed it in there. And anytime I hear that song, I just have this goofy grin on my face. I just can't stop. Like, it's just so happy. Like, when they did it at the Game Awards, I had the biggest smile. When they did it during the direct, I'm just lying there in bed watching it at like 7 a.m. as it was airing. And I'm just like, oh! And it just like lifted my spirit. Right though, Nintendo really needs to put their music on iTunes or something. Well, no, because you can just go spend $360 and get a Switch. I get a 10-inch wide portable music player that easily fits into nothing and do it that way. It's as if they don't want to make a lot of extra easy money. Which is weird because their whole thing is IP expansion. Because people will, I mean, like regardless, people will rip the music and have it in their libraries anyway. I'd be more than happy to double down on the music if it means I have it from a legit source and I'm supporting them and showing that there's interest. I mean, I bought all the Pokemon soundtracks for that reason. Did you I'm... buy the Kirby collection yet? Or is that not on the iTunes no, store in America? The, the, it's on the Japanese iTunes, yeah, the, the Kirby compilation. Um, I haven't looked for that one on the iTunes. Start, my point is they're starting but, so to do it. I mean, Capcom kind of sort of does it. Sega kind of sort of does it with their Sonic soundtrack. Arguably, Nintendo kind of sort of does it. <laughs> yeah, and actually, on top of that, all those other people I mentioned have their stuff on Spotify too, which would also be kind of nice. But, you know baby steps just make it possible i wanted to be like japan where i went to the tower records over there and i saw the ace attorney soundtrack i saw the platoon soundtrack there was like all the soundtracks for all these games when i was in that tower records they had just splatoon ink all over the floor they like it wasn't like it wasn't around the time of the splatoon promotion they just left it there so there's just stickers of splotches of ink like all around the game cds i don't know if that was there when you were there no, well, they had the splotches. I mean, it was during the Splatoon 2 thing, so they oh, had... Oh, you were there during that, so... So they had two soundtracks there. They had, like, little stations where you could listen to the music from the games, and there was right. people actually listening to it, and... And it was rocking cool. out. Yeah, and they, and they also had that merch. Of course. You know, the merch. Yeah. The streetwear. The Splatoon streetwear. Yeah. But, but anyway, we're... <laughs> we got a little about? off track. We were talking about Super Smash Brothers because there was a direct all about it. And before we dive oh, yeah. into specifics... What did you think? I mean, obviously we talked about the music mode, but what did you think of like the direct overall? Are you happy with it? With what was shown? Are you unhappy about anything on a broad uh, level? I was definitely happy with it. I mean, I I figured I would be regardless just because of Smash Brothers. Right. I mean, they could have thrown me a bunch of downers like, oh, here's the Simon reveal, and here's just more items and assist trophies. But it's almost as if they did that. Yeah, they did do that, but they at least did some stuff <laughs> to balance it out. I was like. All right, if you're going to show someone like Simon, at least show me someone like I, can, I, I can get excited about. Yeah. yeah. And they actually had talked about the tourney mode and a bunch of modes that I wanted to know about. So now we just need to know about the internet. Yeah. Yeah, I think funny enough. That's literally it. That's all I need to know now. Yeah, we'll, we'll – so we're going to – there's so much we're going to dive into each, like, segment of it, shall we say. But I think on a broad level, funny enough for me, what I like most about the Smash, Smash, uh, Smash Direct is not what was revealed. Like, that's fine. That's all cool. But just ha- like the actual presentation, I just love the like attention to your point earlier about how like they're going the extra mile with like the music stuff. Just the attention to detail in the presentation, like they- there's just this cool feeling that it really is a celebration of Nintendo. Like they announce things any which way, and no one would care. But like the attention, or you know, it'd be fine. The message would get across. But the attention to detail they chose. Like, there's so many little neat nods and also stories that play out. Like, even st- stupid little stuff like uh, 
King K. Rool, like, at one point, his banana is stolen, like, in a quick, like, it's literally, like, a split second of fight footage. But she's like, oh, I get it, it's ironic, because he's the one that steals the bananas. Like, that someone sat there, like, what if we do this scenario for him? Or, like, they could just show a low executor, but how about they give him a dorky little ten, like, two-second thing with a little sound effect? Like, they really seem to go yeah, further. They, it's they, very nice. And it's funny, because, um... I mean, you obviously get those references when you've played those games. Yeah. Like, I remember when I saw the Cloud trailer. I, I've never played a Final Fantasy... Yeah, I never played a Final Fantasy game. Right. Know even less about Cloud because I didn't even have a PlayStation during that time. Mm. So when the Cloud trailer came out, to me it was just like, oh, footage of Cloud. I mean, I got the the battle transition that right. they did. But other than that, I didn't get any references. I saw a video later that's like, oh, apparently Cloud has like a throwaway line that says he's afraid of the ocean or he gets dizzy in the ocean and they showed cloud dizzy on top of the great lion and right right in the great the yeah yeah, yeah. And, and to me that would have just been like oh, okay they're just showing his dizzy animation it's, for some reason it's so cool and like, like no it was on purpose or even like the character poses like the official art of simon and richter the two castlevania guys are their poses from their respective game boxes like just it, it's real attention to detail even like the cinematics like when they did the king k rule uh cinematic unveil thing just the way they had DK and Diddy's eyes pop out of their heads, that's, like, just like the old 90 CG cartoon, the crystal whatever. Like, that's a deep cut of a reference. Well, no, they also do that um, all the time in Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that was one of... That's not as impressive, then. I was really proud of Sakurai for digging up the old licensed Donkey well, I mean, Kong that's CG still... cartoon. I mean, there's still some detail. I hope... I wish DK and Diddy did that, like, during gameplay or, like, yeah. as part of, like, their... Like when you're teetering, yeah. But it usually happens when um, whenever we do a boss battle, like when the boss appears. I don't on the remember right side. that at all. Yeah, whenever a boss appears, like it just Why comes down from the left that? side. I've and, beaten Donkey Kong one, and then and they just three. point at the boss and scream, and then they start fighting. And usually that's when the eyes bulge out. I literally have no recollection of this. Maybe I guess I've been corrupted by the TV show, which is not good, by the way. Like uh, someone go look it up on YouTube after you're done listening to this, and you'll be. Whoever decided they need to have two music numbers Every in episode. a twenty-three minute long yeah. show is it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. But but no, beyond like the eye popping thing, like the Sam Max, it's just like not even okay, not even little nods, like bigger picture stuff. Like I I guess you could call it like just love and care going into these. But the idea of like oh let's unveil Castlevania, how should we do it? Luigi's Mansion tie-in, obviously Luigi's exploring something haunted. Oh, it could be Castle. Like just thinking those things through is really like going above and beyond. They could have just done a done a trailer of Castlevania, but to tie it back in is cool. Yeah. Like actually the Luigi one, like I don't think Nintendo expected it to go full on meme. I mean, Mega Man and Mario died at the hands of Ridley at E3 and no one seemed to bat an eye, but then Luigi dies and everyone freaks out. But like here's a little attention to detail. I don't know if this is 100% true. I read it online. By, I'm, I, in <laughs> I read it online. That guys, means it's true. It must be true. There's no such thing as fake news. But no, I'm inclined to believe it because I don't remember seeing it. So apparently, after they kill Luigi at the start of the Direct, zero footage of Luigi in any of the gameplay for the entire Direct. They show every character by him over the course of the thing. Or I mean, almost every character. Yeah, I don't think they show every character. They show a lot of them. Yeah. But they purposely leave out Luigi, which is just a nice attention to detail thing, I think. But um, And also just the pun of like, He's not scared to death. He's scared by death. Or or not scared. He's not scared to death. He's uh-huh. scared by death. Yeah, yeah. Death, scared. Wow. Let me try it again. I, I think I know what you mean. It is kind of a tricky one. Yeah, he's being, instead of being scared to death, he, he death, sca- 
It's okay. Yeah, it's it's it's. Um, we got We got We got two on. more hours to go, folks. Here we go. <laughs> that quality that you just saw there. <laughs> that quality is what you can expect from the next while. But um, yeah. In terms of all this stuff, like I feel like a lot of the creativity. Now that I'm starting to get my groove back here, I feel like a lot of creativity stems from um Sakurai himself. Like I was reading, there's an interview in the Guardian that came. You're trying out. to say scared to death by death? Yes. I just really couldn't do it. Oh. All right. Yeah, that was all I was trying to say. Really simple. But no, like, uh, the thing I started to say about Sakurai is, like, I dreamed this Guardian interview, which we'll link to on the blog post. It's mostly stuff we're not going to talk about, but there's a little throwaway part where they're just, where he, where they are saying that he is the one that does most of the research, most of the hand picking of characters, most of the fine tuning of, like, how the items are used, all that, like, all the posing, all the everything. Just as they build the game, he's the guy that actually goes into, like, the annals of Nintendo history and like digs out all this information. So I get the feeling that all these little character moments and vignettes and neat little nods, like eyes popping and whatnot are him himself dictating that. It just makes it that much cooler to me. It's just like, there's one dude who has this crazy encyclopedia of Nintendo knowledge. And he's like, no, we need to do this at this point And this at that point. And cloud has to be afraid of water and you know, da 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 da. So imagine if he tried to tackle a different franchise that still required him to use all of his knowledge of Nintendo. Like a, I don't know, like if they did a Mario Party, but it was... Nintendo Party? Yeah, Nintendo Party. Or an actual Nintendo cart. He'd pull it off. Yeah. And then, of course, there's well, also... To, though, at this and point. by the way, he also is totally a troll. I mean, the DD... So he voices King DDD in the Smash Bros. games. So to do the King K. Rule video and then have DDD sort of break in and then literally laugh at the audience is totally Sakurai. Like, ha, gotcha, sort of troll moment. So, Yeah. I mean, the, the double-edged sword of all that um, is that if every little thing is so fine-tuned and so specifically picked, that means that every little thing in the video is suddenly scrutinized as being a hint or a tease or something bigger than it is. I mean, that one, that ultimately sets people up for disappointment, but two, it's just ridiculous. Like, yes, there are yellow and purple chairs behind Sakurai. Does that mean War- Waluigi is in the game? I don't know. As a playable fighter, like, I don't know. They're just chairs. Why? But people are like, oh, it must be a sign that he's in the game as a I playable fighter. I just like player. to think of things simply. It's like, all right, he's already revealed as an assist trophy, so no. But he's not yet. This time yeah, he around. was. Oh, was he? Yeah, like in the first trailer. He, oh, you're right. That's why Robert freaked used, out. Yeah. And maybe this was on purpose, too, because he does everything with a purpose. He used Waluigi as an example to show that you can damage assist trophies. Right. So he right. was literally beating up on beating Waluigi. Beating up on Waluigi. Yeah, so. But yeah, also, like, here's another theory that I'm just like, nah, there's no way. Unless this is, like, a super deep-rooted, like, oh, you know that video of Waluigi as an assist trophy? That was actually, we made that just for that trailer. He actually is a character. Could you imagine the meltdowns if that happened? I mean, that'd be pretty crazy. I, I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't really use it, but that'd be cool. Well, here's another, here's another, uh, like people reading too much into things. So, Karate Joe of Rhythm Heaven. So this comes from Game Explained oh, yes, by yes, Reddit yes. of a Reddit by way of a Reddit user. And Game Explained did a video, and of course they did they analyze everything as much as they can. That's their thing. It's really cool that they do it. This one I'm a little like I don't know if that's true. Um, so in the DK King K Roar reveal video, Donkey Kong's lounging and watching TV and. It, he, the exact pose he's sitting in, which is pretty like generic watching TV lazily pose, um, it matches up pretty well, almost identically, with a pose that Karate Joe in the Rhythm Heaven games sits in in a cinematic. So, of course, no such thing as coincidence, according to some people, so it must be also a sign. Same, also similar TV? Yeah, but Those that's antennas just, were kind of... The antennas were kind of different. Yeah. No, there, no, well, no, the, no, the, the antennas, antennas were, were the same, the yeah. knobs were different. Yeah, the, the knobs TV in Rhythm Heaven has bottom knobs yeah, instead yeah, right yeah. now. So it's just like... 
that's there's enough there, but also like why would they leave that one thing different unless it's not intentional? But yeah, so Karai Joe could be in Smash. I don't know. I I think I prefer Chorus Boy. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I mean, if Ryu wasn't already in the game, I would definitely prefer anyone else. Just because I mean, I love Rhythm Heaven, Karate Joe. I like to call him Karate Man. Right. I'm not even sure if his name's Karate Joe. Is it? I, don't I know. Game Explain says I would not not trust game i trust game explain with my life so. <laughs> if they if whatever they explain i take it i back. mean even if it moves a little different i mean you then have two people in karate geese at that point yeah and it's kind of like i mean I they already have the issue of too many people with swords they really want to start too many karate people yeah i mean get rhythm heaven is such a wacky franchise that you can go really crazy with it and they should do the birds with no arms and, and honestly like at this point um it seemed like everything from that initial leak, every character, like, when Smash 4 was coming out. Right. Like, got announced at some point or came true except for the course. Karate Kid. Because, uh, you mean the Chorus I mean, the Chorus Kids, because yeah. Ice Climbers were eventually true. Wolf was eventually true. Yeah. So, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised, but happy if, like, Chorus Kids eventually came out. Because, I mean, maybe they were just planned for this game. Also, you know? they're just so much cooler because there's three of them. There's no character like them in Smash. We've yeah. had pairs. We have Rosalina and her... Uh, Luma. Uh, Luma. We have I'm, I'm Ice sure, Climbers, but we don't have... Although, I'm sure like, they're going to fight more like Duck Hunt Dog in the sense yeah. of where there's like, two characters, but they're but they really... they play as one. Yeah, they play yeah. as one, but it, you don't separate Dude, them. could you anything. imagine if their final Smash is like it that thing really, in Bojack? It would just be really awesome to see animation-wise. Yeah. Could you imagine if their final Smash is like that thing in Bojack where the three kids are stacked together under a trench coat and they're playing... Oh, what's the character's name in Bojack? Uh... He like he, he's like an adult, but miss adult man. Adult. No, yeah, no, he's, he's he's a businessman that does business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it, yeah. it was just the chorus kids doing that, but he's Princess Carolyn's boyfriend. Yeah, for anyone point. who watches that show, yeah. which is a very good show. But anyway, it's probably easier to X actually. Boyfriend, I guess I should say. Yeah, X. Yeah. Spoiler. Oh, uh, I guess that is a spoiler. Oh. I mean, it's three t- children in a trench coat. I don't think anyone thinks they're still seriously dating five yeah. seasons in. Uh, but. Anyway, it's probably easier to actually discuss what actually made into the game than the BoJack crossover that will never happen. So with that thought, uh, I guess we start with the character reveals. I thought we'd get one, maybe two. Nintendo's like, nah, you get five. Um, of those five, two are actual entirely new fighters. Simon Belmont of Castlevania, of course, and King K. Rool of what else? Donkey Kong. Um, apparently, little thing that came out about Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country was originally going to be called Monkey Mayhem, and King K. Rool was originally going to be called Commander, spelled with a K. So definitely glad they changed those, but that came from an ex-Rare employee. He's like, wow, my I would pick a better name for him if I knew he'd be in Smash Bros. one day. But I like King K. Rule. I like King K. Rule too. So do you say K. Rule or Cruel? I say K. Rule, but it's obviously a pun on Cruel. I always say the whole thing. So King K. Rule? Yeah. But you don't do King Cruel. Right? No, I do okay, King K. Okay, good. Rule. Me neither. I feel like because, King Cruel I, I, is... I always thought of King K. Rule as like the rule part. Like, oh, he's a, he's a king and he rules. See, it's, 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 you see, it's, for, I know, but yeah, it could be know, both. I, I mean, I know, you know, it totally can, yeah. I wonder what the K stands for. Kremling? That would make sense. Or maybe it's like King Kevin. Kre- I mean, he's basically Kevin. King, I mean, King Kremling. I mean, in yeah, China, it's the King Koopa. Or maybe it's Commander. King Commander Cool. Maybe, yeah. That's two titles, but that's okay. Two first names, basically. But anyway, um, yeah, so Simon. Let's just get him out of the way. He's the one that we saw coming. I have to say, Angel, you were uh, spot on last episode. You projected he'd have a ton of project, or you projected you, pro- yeah, you projected he'd have projectiles. Yeah, that works. That and he did. Game is um, all about projectiles. I think what I, I think what wasn't expected was he'd get an Echo Fighter in the form of Richter, but there he was. Yeah, uh, that, that that kind they're of they're basically the same character. Even if it is an Echo Fighter, I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised, especially yeah. considering like Smash Brothers' longest running. Like third party character 
doesn't have one, which is Sonic. Get it? Longest that, running. Was that a pun? Yeah. Because because he runs. Yeah. That was good. Thank you. That was good. I'm, I'm proud of that one. You should be. We should Wait, stop the show there. Which, I mean, even though we just said, let's go back to things that are actually announced. I mean, it, it's a given the Shadow's going to be an Echo Fight. Is right? it? I, I feel like it is. Just because there's two... Uh, just because there's two Castlevania guys, there has to be two Sonic guys? Um, It just feels or like... Or because my... he suddenly isn't an assist trophy. I mean, that's one thing, but I feel like my gut is just like, so far, everything that we've been shown that has been revealed about this game has strictly been fan service. Mm. So it feels like, why would they not just put Shadow? Will at this they point? give Shadow his gun, though? Considering... No, he's just going to be an Echo. He's just... Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll probably be like a Dark Pit. He'll have harder-hitting attacks, but he might be slightly slower than Sonic. I gotta be honest, and I'm sorry to any Dark Pit fans out there, all three of you in the world, why did that one exist? Like, I get Sakurai made Kid Icarus Uprising, I get that, but like, that's the most lazy, it's worse than Dr. Mario, it's worse, it's just like, you literally yeah. just palette swapped, you could have just made him a palette swap, I that mean, features in the game. I mean, you remember how he came about, right? In Uprising? Yeah. Not off the top of my head. No, no, in general. Not the Pit or Dark Pit? Dark Pit. Not off the top of my head now. So, Dark in Smash Brothers Brawl, yeah, um, there was a black pit, right? Like as a color swap, right? And when Sakurai made Kid Icarus Uprising, he liked that color swap, and I thought, like, you know what? I kind of want to make this its own character. Wait, so then he went back to the source and added it as a character with Smash Four? No, so or, so he yeah, so he yeah. made Black Pit a character in Uprising, and then that character became so popular in Uprising that he's like, I guess we'll make him a... Which again, I, I mean, I get there's a lot of dark... There's Dark Link, there's Dark Samus, there's Dark... Da, 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 but like, like, there's probably, like, there's Dark Mario, but he's called Shadow Mario because you gotta mix it up sometimes. Oh God, they, but, I hope they don't put Shadow Mario, even though... I mean, they sort of do. It's, it's Bowser Jr. He, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. Dark Pitch is... That's true. He doesn't he does feel like he deserves to be in Smash. Smash. No offense to the five... Now, I've, I've upped it. Now five Dark Pit fans. No offense to them, but... He just does. There's no reason for him to be here. My crom. But um, well, we'll get to know, Echo Fires in a minute. But I did want to ask you. So now that you've seen Simon and Richter, every time I say Richter, I want to say Andy Richter. But, I want to say Victor. But well, now that you've seen Simon and Richter scale in person, in, in person in the game, what do you think? I mean, I they seem kind of interesting, more so than I thought they. I did. mean, like any fighter at this point, because I mean, I'm happy with Bowser. Um, so anything else is just kind of like a cherry Icing. on top. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't really care much for the Belmont people because I didn't really play Castlevania. The only Castlevania game I played in its entirety was Portrait of Ruin on the DS. And that and one they're had, not in this. <laughs> yeah. And that's like four different characters. There's like a spell yeah. user. There's like some, uh, some twins and yeah. it's a really weird game. And I played the one, the first one for DS. I forgot what that one was called. But uh, one had, Sorrow. Yeah. But that one had awesome music and you played as... White-haired dude. Yeah. Who also could... I think it was Alucard. It was like a vampire. It wasn't a... You definitely, he I think it was Alucard. He didn't have yeah. a whip. That's the point. But, I mean... The, see, the whip to me... The, the, when the I whip see, to me is interesting. No, yeah. I, I mean, they seem, they just seem cool. I, yeah. I'm, I'm happy they're there. It's like, I don't care about Cloud, but I like that he's in the game. So right. that's kind of how I see them. Yeah, because like the, the whip in particular, like outside of, I guess, Samus's grapple beam for throws, I can't think of many characters who gain that sort of reach or range. I mean, Yoshi's tongue, arguably. The closest one that You comes... could say the swords, but they're more rigid. You don't have quite as much loose, free-flowing whip Well, I mean, when he attacks them to get that full range, it, it's a very rigid Yeah, but thing. he had, but like, it's not like just a straight line when it comes back. It kind of 
you know, it snaps. Oh, so well, yeah. Like it has more, well, I mean, the animation it has more flip-floppiness to I mean, it, which makes it interesting. Yeah, I was going to say the only ones, I mean, if we're just talking about range. Yeah. Um, before Corrin, whenever she did a smash attack or he, like, that jab, that javelin just, like, sprung out super far. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's and the then, side, yeah. And then before that, um, Shulk had the longest range with that crazy sword that just like extended out right, like, super right. far. But those are all like, I mean, I guess in a way the whip is just an animation that does the same thing. But something about it just feels like it feels like you could do more collateral damage people above or below on the on its way because it's kind of like a looser rope. But maybe I mean, that's just how they animate it, and it's not actually true. But that's the vibe. I, I feel like I'm going to be more conscious about it. Yeah, yeah, which but, you know yeah. makes it different already. But for me, more than the whip, really, the bigger uh, thing here is with this heavy Castlevania presence, which not only includes the characters, but you know they have that Dracula castle stage, and they have classic, all these classic franchise baddies popping up in the stage. Thirty-four play. songs and thirty-four songs, which is like. Not even Nintendo's own franchise to get 34 songs. But ignoring that, like, this all feels like a very big push for Castlevania. I mean, a few years ago, the franchise was basically as good as dead. Then there's the Netflix show. Now there's Nintendo giving the game a lot of love in Smash. I mean, Konami would be insane not to capitalize on this, right? Like, they, they've already found success in reviving Bomberman. Did they put um, Simon and Dracula in Bomberman R? Yeah. I'll yeah, they're, all, like, they're planting the seeds everywhere yeah. for this. And the thing is, like, Bomberman R, Super Bomberman R went on to be a huge success. And they're already trying to recreate that with Hypersports R coming to Switch, I think, was it this November? Which is basically a reboot of the 80s sports game they used to make, like arcade sports game. So it only seems logical to keep going down this path. Like, apparently over in Japan, they've already copyrighted Contra again. So it sounds Ooh. like Contra may also be getting this kind of R reboot. Which I just realized probably stands for reboot or revival. Maybe. Yeah. That makes sense. But it does. So, like, I, I could see him definitely, like, cashing this. I like think Radical check. because it's a very, like, edgy-looking R, so... That's true. Yeah. That's true. It could be Radical or Ratitude if you want to go full 80s. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think, like, in terms of Castlevania specifically, like, Smash Bros. Or versus Contra or Resurrection. Yeah, th- this is all the the Jesuses of Konami's world. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, like, Castlevania specifically, like, Smash Bros. is such a high-profile launch pad for any franchise. I mean... We were talking about it before, but we saw it bring back Kid Icarus from being nothing. You know, after Brawl, Kid Icarus blew up and had its own game, and then Dark, and then nothing again, <laughs> and then nothing again. But for that glimmering moment, why does Nintendo do that? By the way, they always revive a thing that has been around it forever and then let it die again. Oh, poor Punch Out! I really yeah, Punch, Punch Out, Kid Icarus. Um, those are the only two I think of right now. But it's definitely third one. But yeah, oh. but it's just like it's a really weird thing. Like you, Punch Out did great; it sold over a million. Sin and Punishment. Sin and Punishment. They yeah, made a Wii but that's more niche. Then... But yeah, totally. Yeah, but still, though. But totally, yeah, they did. A whole well, revival. they tried. I mean, I don't know if it just didn't sell well. It did decent. I don't remember the numbers, but we're not talking. And it came huge. out on the Wii, which was like yeah, the console. It's yeah, the Switch or like the fast. Excite franchise, like Excite Truck, Excite Bots, and then just nothing for two generations. It's very weird how Nintendo. I does forgot things. that there was F-Zero a zero to a lesser bite. extent. Assist trophy in Brawl. Yes, that wasn't in. Yeah, that Game Explain video. I don't know. Game Explain, you feel anything? Dude, Game Explain. Like, guys, just stop listening to us and go try on getting our game. <laughs> Please don't. We, we, we love you. Um, but. We have our own opinions. But yeah, beyond, we do. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Game Explain is all about, like, digging deep or more about what we think. So. That's, that's our two second elevator pitch. If anyone's like, what do you do? Just but, ignore the um, fact that they also have their own little videos where they do just. Yeah, just, about their just focus only on their analysis and then come to us to hear our thoughts on their analysis. <laughs> no, but, um, seriously, I mean, Kid Icarus. Got smashed as a launch pad, as, we were, as I was just saying, but also like Fire Emblem's Westward Push really started with Melee. More, more recently, Xenoblade, 
got huge profile yeah. boost when Shulk was in Smash 4. So, like, having Castlevania have not one but two characters and all those stages 100% must mean that they're doing something with Castlevania. I get, like, 2019 is going to be Castlevania's year. They're going to do something big. It's probably going to be Switch first or Switch exclusive, is my guess. And Nintendo may even be footing the bill to get exclusive. Like, they clearly are making assets of these characters. So, we'll see. But then you've got King K. Rule, and um, he's the other big new fighter. He was more of an actual surprise, mm-hmm. as you were saying earlier. And, um, yeah, he was a character that I hope would get in it, but I didn't think he would. Yeah, he did pretty well in the Smash ballot a few years ago, and yeah. rumor has it that the developers only added him to this one after they were surprised that he got third or fourth or whatever in the ballot, which yeah. would make sense. I'd believe that. Uh, King K. Rool definitely, like, after Bowser, he's, yeah, I would say definitely, like, a little after Bowser, he's, like, one of my favorite Nintendo characters. I always, anytime he's in a game like Mario Baseball, I yeah. always, like, stuck him in my team. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would always, even like when I was little, I remember I would always replay the last level over and over again of Donkey Country 1 and 2 just so I could see. And that's why, you know, the eyes pop. And that's why I forgot because you played it over and over until your eyes popped. It all makes sense. Anyway, you're saying? Yeah, just over and over just so I could play against King K. because I love the music. I hope both those tracks are in there. I imagine they will be. I mean, the, the cool thing about And King... also just seeing his animations because he was just really cool. Yeah, the cool thing about King K. Rool in Smash is it's he's like the prime example of how to properly do a Smash character because he has all these little nods to all the different Donkey Kongs. Like, he has the um, the Bluster... was it? Bluster Bust? Yeah, Bluster yeah. Bust from uh, whichever it is where he's in the pirate outfit. I guess the second one. And then he has that helicopter jetpack backpack thing from Donkey Kong Country 3, which I actually remembered yeah. from that game. Look at me knowing things. Very underwhelming final boss battle compared to the first two. But it was a cool visual thing. Oh no no yeah yeah, yeah. Or no that was that the final yeah that was final. Yeah, he was he, also in the in lab coat. He was like full on mad scientist he, at that point. He basically was like Frankenstein. He yeah had, he, like, was, a, he was he uh, was Frankenstein Kru- monster. Uh, K Rool and Stein or like they named him something. He was different. Frank and K Rool. Frank and K Rool yeah. But like all that stuff they did a really good job integrating into this mm-hmm. Smash and even stuff like his belly because originally from what I remember his belly was supposed to be armor and then over the years his belly just became a belly like yeah. it's gold because it's armor yeah first it was gold and then, then like, it was kind of yellow I think in like Mario Baseball and like some other games they just made it like tan like, but it let's was, run like... with that so his belly's tan that means his crown is part of his body and his weird wristbands are part of his body because they're the same color as his belly but that doesn't make sense like there's no okay those are obviously a crown but, and but crown. why are they the same like if they were all the same color why did one become because he wanted to match the or their crown. mutations I'm no, just saying no don't be dumb he already has an eye issue What's we, it's not that hard to think he has weird tumors on his wrists that are happy to, happy to be tan or gold no so I'm just, I'm just, just saying just no, no. well reg- <laughs> regardless uh, the fact that they kind of allude to that by having his belly become a weapon in Smash like his back to being something more than just a belly is kind of cool as well as I was going at mm-hmm. uh, but I think he also opens up some interesting doors for Echo Fighters because like he's roughly the build of say King Hippo from Punch-Out or Wart from Mario 2 so like that could be cool yeah, I hope Bowser gets like a Dry Bowser or Dark Bowser. Dry Bowser, seem, dry Bowser almost feels like a shoe in Yeah. Because they don't have any of the dry uh, ethnicity. A little Quentin, <laughs> that, like, Koopa ethnicity. Some of my, like, yeah, I would say like my three like first party favorite characters happen to be like giant reptiles. Like that being Ridley, Bowser, and King And you're also a big fan of Godzilla separately from Nintendo. Yeah. So I'm sensing a pattern. Yeah, I also love Ninja Turtles. And there's definitely a lot of Yeah, reptiles. what's with you? You're, you? Did you ever have a pet reptile? No, I feel like I wouldn't really want one as a pet. Right, because you like them big and brooding, I guess. I'd rather have a bird as a pet. 
I like fictional reptiles. They're way more interesting than real life reptiles. That's true. Real life reptiles are the laziest, most yeah, boring they, creatures. They, they really are. Like, like people, I've had people be like, like when I was a kid, they'd be like, hey, come check out my lizard I just got. And I'd go look and be like, it's just sitting there. And they're like, yeah, but sometimes he moves. It's like, <laughs> if, okay, if but they, a dog will like come up and lick you. What's this guy I mean, do? I'll give you that like, they're interesting like to look at just the way, because they look different. Just the way they are. They're, yeah. yeah, they're pretty interesting yeah. looking. But beyond that, they just kind of sit there. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like having a less interesting fish. Yeah, at least fish swim. Yeah. And sometimes, I, I had fish as a kid, they actually start, I, I swear, they probably didn't, but I feel like they started to recognize me because like if I'd walk up to a tank, they'd come over, but if my parents walked up, they would not. I mean, I've seen people form strong bonds with birds and dogs and cats. And um, fish in my case. I mean, prove me wrong, like, I, I just haven't seen a strong bond between a reptile and a person. The only bond I've Maybe seen there is, is but, the only bond I've seen is when literally a snake wraps itself around someone's body and kills them. <laughs> but, a very strong bond yeah thank you i'm here all week uh but yeah echo fighters and that's a wrap oh no we still have so much uh echo fighters guys episode's nuts echo fire so uh we're already 30 minutes in i know uh but we were talking about you know potential ones so that does beg the question or that does bring up the ones that are in there now you have a bone to pick about chrome as you sort of started to say and i cut you off so i guess now here is your platform please tell the world why you hate chrome um let me backtrack a little bit i don't hate chrome you hate chrome i'm indifferent to chrome <laughs> kind of like because i don't really play fire emblem games but no but, I but, think but, but, but yeah but like, yeah like implementation yeah it, it's just more like with the way he looks maybe i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt just because the game is still in development and doesn't come out till december but from what i've seen of chrome it just looks like they just grabbed a model from a game where Chrome already existed, I guess, from one of the 3DS Awakening. games, and just slapped it onto Roy's ex- like skeleton. So, which I mean is what they did, but it's just it is kind of a pan- like he, yeah, like it just I don't know he, he, he looks like... he looks so dead faced, and I don't know I, I feel like I've seen um fan mods of Chrome in Smash Brothers that look more livelier than this one. I don't know it just feels very. Way more tacked on than the other Echo Fighters. Like the other Echo Fighters feel like their own characters. Like the way Daisy moves is unique. The way Wolf Jacket. I mean, like don't even get started on Dark Samus. Like the way Dark Samus. Dark is, Samus. Like her idols animation are already like just really like damn, like just so awesome. Like Dark, Dark Samus is really cool. Samus is the is the single coolest Echo Fighter there's been so far. Dark I'm, Samus almost deserves to be an independent fighter, kinda, even though the moveset's the same. Just because she looks that different. Like it's yeah, really cool. The only difference, I don't know where I read it, but they were saying that she's just even floatier than Samus, which is kind of crazy because Samus is already kind of floaty. I guess that just means it's going to be Dark harder. Dark just never lands. <laughs> yeah, that is going to be even harder to do combos on Samus. Yeah. It's like trying to combo Jigglypuff, but I'm assuming not as light. Yeah. But the other thing that they said that was kind of weird, uh, well, they said Dark Samus doesn't roll at all. So I guess when you do like your, your roll, like, you know, your whole shield and yeah. move. yeah. yeah. I guess Samus will either teleport, like, do a weird spot dodge. But the mm-hmm. one that kind of threw me off was that they said Dark Samus doesn't roll when you dodge or jump. But you don't roll if you jump. You jump. But but when Samus jumps, she... Oh, no, it's only when you use the bombs that you... I mean, when Samus on. double jumps, she spins in a little circle. Maybe but... they mean that. Maybe Dark Samus just moves like a like a pogo stick. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Up. I mean, I, I guess know. so. I, I guess they just have a... I guess she doesn't coil up, but that's not really rolling, though. That's just spinning. So I don't know. I guess I'll have to wait and see. I just have a little time will tell. Yeah, but but while but um yeah like, Chrome is I'm kind of whatever about Chrome too, which is weird. But yeah, Chrome. Like yeah. But no, Dark Sans is really cool. And while we're on topic of really cool additions, 
some of those assist trophies in Pokeball Pokemon are awesome. Yes. Like, I really love that they made Nikki from Swap Note into a character, and she draws different obstacles like they are launched into players. Like, that's cool. Or, like, the moon yes. from Majora's Mask is cool. Or, yes. like, I'm just going to list off things now. Or, like, here's one I really appreciate, and this is silly, but they took the chef from the Kirby games. I don't know his name. It's something like Kawasaki. Kawasaki. Yeah. Oh, is it Kawasaki? Appreciate He's a motorcycle? Well, if he's not, he is now. Okay. Well, the motorcycle... He, they gave him Kirby's Final Smash because Kirby has a new Final Smash in this one because they sped up all the Final Smashes. So they gave Kirby a much quicker one and then they took that one. They're like, no, 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 we'll give that to an assist trophy. And they gave Chef Kawasaki the motorcycle, Kirby's Final Smash, which I thought was a nice way to kind of continue on with the old Smash stuff, but do it in a way that makes sense with the new formula for how they're doing things. So that was kind of nice. But really. If only they did that to other things, like, and not. That's as vague as possible. Well, my example is um, a lot of people have this Final Smash where, like, they'll activate it. They'll take the character to the top center of the oh, stage. yeah, yeah, yeah. And just do a bunch of attacks on them right. and then bring Link, them down. the Fire Emblem gang. Well, I, Toon Link, I was Young thinking, Link. like, yeah, like, Cloud, Cloud Ike, the Ike. Mii Fighter, Greninja. I mean, we're yeah, we just keep going. And specifically, like, Greninja, like, he, like, dashes through you and then mm-hmm. hits you down. Mm-hmm. And then Zoroark... I was really excited when I found out he was going to be a Pokeball. And then guess what he does? Yeah, he does that (laughs) stupid thing where he takes you to the center, slashes you up, and brings you down. And what I guess what was the most disappointing part for me, and he still does that, by the way, but Zoroark, he's like, I was really excited because his thing is illusion, which is he makes you think that he's another Pokemon, but he's still him. It's not like Ditto where he fully transforms into another Pokemon. Like you send him out into battle, They'll think, oh, man, they have a Blastoise out. I should use an electric attack. And then he still does whatever uh, Psychic Yeah, moves. but he still does whatever Zorark does, and yeah. the electric attack doesn't kill me. And they're like, oh, that's weird. And then after he gets hit, he How would you replicate that in Size Smash Bros? Well, I guess when he comes out of the Pokeball, he would probably just move around as Zorark would do, but he's just another oh, Pokemon. Oh, random other Pokemon. Oh, no, 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 but he just looks like another Pokemon. So uh, people would think, like, oh, is this Pokemon? I should be ready for this, but he's really doing something That would have been cool. And you know what's funny? And is... as soon as you hit him, he could just turn to Zorak and be like, oh, there you are, Swipe or no swiping or whatever. Well, what's weird about that is they put so much effort into some of the other new ones. Like, there's two categories of like super cool assist trophies in Pokemon and one is what I kind of bucket as like the extra effort ones and he could have been that but yeah. he's not I mean like Captain that's because like yeah his whole that is his whole shtick but yeah. they reduce them to generic thing that he's not even known for yeah which is weird but like like and then meanwhile they have Captain from Animal Crossing who he pops up with a bus and loads up his bus with whatever fighters are nearby and drives them off stage, which is funny. But then every single fighter has a special angry face that they have in the bus as they're being driven away. So it's like if you can render 70-plus angry faces, you could probably have a Pokemon that looks like a different one but acts a different way. Or like better example, Ditto. He's another one of the like extra effort ones in my mind. They literally are rendering 70 Ditto-fied, 70-plus Ditto-fied fighters because he will turn into the other fighters and use their moves against them. He's kind of like a self-contained Kirby in a way. And like if they can well, spend the well, time... Well, it's just like an extra... Like a clone computer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but if they could take the time to like Ditto-fy that... Which, yeah, I mean, granted, there's taking existing models and pinking them up. I'm just using made-up verbs all over the place. But, you know, if, if they could do that, they can have one Pokemon that acts like another. Yeah, or at the very least, if they're not going to do that, at least put a Pokemon that that attack would have made more sense right. with. Right, yeah. Because they even called it Night Slash. And I mean... That's just a little lazy. Yeah. But but I I, I think, mean the move there is a move called Night Slash, but that's not how I envisioned it looking. 
That's more well, like that's how soccer. That, that, that's it. more like night barrage or something. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The I, I did mention I there are like two buckets of like fancier fires. So one was the extra effort ones. The other ones, and these are buckets I made up. But the other one is um, just crossovers. Like there were some cool unexpected crossover ones that popped up in the in the direct. I mean, first you got Shovel Knight as an assist trophy, which uh, I think it's the first time an indie game character has popped up in Smash outside of maybe Commander Video as a static collectible trophy. Like, it's the first time there's been oh, yeah. like an active, interactive. Yeah, they had to animate and put work animate in it, yeah. uh, animate indie. Was there character. a Shovel Knight trophy in mm. the other Smash? I don't think so. Huh. Maybe a... I don't think so though. I think I'm just remembering but... the Amiibo, but. Yeah, I think I think so, but it's just kind of crazy to see like how far Shovel Knight has come. It's been five years since the Kickstarter, and he's like the they should de facto... have given Commander Video a Nessus Trophy. They should have done. Maybe both. they still maybe will. they still will. Yeah, but yeah, like the but just like Shovel Knight's come so far, and like not only is he in Smash, he's also like simultaneously while being a Sith Trophy Smash. Well, Rayman like, fully... could, could be a character with Sith Trophy. Maybe it's like they haven't really given Ubisoft any love yet. It's Rabbids, dude. Oh God, it's gonna be Rabbids. It's gonna be a Rabbid. Hey, yeah, if, if it's gonna be anyone's gonna be a Rabbid, did especially ever... after Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Totally. Yeah. Did I ever tell you, by it's the way, rabbit. that whenever I used to write the Mario and Rabbids name in our outline notes, it would always autocorrect it to Mario and Rabbis? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like well, the that's best. right up your alley. Yeah, I'm like, yep, those are my those are my people, those annoying rabbits, yep. And also <laughs> the Jewish leaders. But, um, yeah, it's, well, I started, what Wait, was I thought I they were oh, the equivalent of priests. What? I thought they were the equivalent of priests. They are. Yeah, religious leaders. I should have said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. It's like our, it's like it's like. Oh, America's president is this guy. Our pre, the Jewish president is a <laughs> rabbi. No, it's not. <laughs> but um, yeah. No, I was starting to say about Shovel Knight. I just wanted to make this point because I thought it was kind of funny. So he's a assist trophy in this game, but then he's playable in like multiple other fighting yeah, games. He's playable he's in Blade Stranger, Rivals of Ether. They just announced that one as well. It's just kind of like a funny little thing. But to have him on the battlefield and smash in any capacity, playable is huge. in Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah. He really just, he gets around. Maybe a little too everywhere. A little too everywhere. He's yeah. the Mario of the indie world, whether people want to admit it or not. He is the Mario of Yeah, the sorry, Shantae. As much as I would like Shantae to get. And Shovel Knight's cool. Like, yeah. that's awesome for the guys at, um, uh, I won't say Way 4, but that's where they used to be. At Yacht Club. At Yacht Club. I was going to say Full Sail, which is also wrong. <laughs> but it's a university. Uh, it is, yeah. It's great for any graduates of Full Sail that now work at Yacht Club because they're really keeping the narcole going. <laughs> but, um. I see what you did there. Ah, uh, yeah. But man, this this episode, dude. Uh, I feel like we're on something. But yeah, anyway, it's already taken a whale. So the other one I wanted to mention, I'm just gonna ignore that. The other one I wanted to mention um, of the crossover characters that's kind of cool is uh, Rathalos from Monster Hunter. Yeah, that is very cool. Makes a certain amount of sense that they would put up Monster a, Hunter thing. As an in. avid Monster Hunter lover, right? And the series is so closely tied to Nintendo that it felt, or at least until World came out, that this felt right. Like this was obviously gonna happen, yeah. but. What's kind of interesting here, at least to me, as a not-so-much Monster Hunter fan and just a casual observer, is Rathalos is the one assist trophy who's also a boss character. And this seems to be important for some reason that we haven't quite figured out. Like, bosses seem to be playing a larger role in Ultimate than in any other Smash game up to this point. Yeah, because Yellow Devil was intrusive, but if you look at the way Rathalos and Dracula play out, they look... Like it's its own thing. Yeah, Dracula like, like, in particular like, yeah, looked he, like it was a two D beat em up. Yeah, it, I can't really picture that being like a like a free for all. It, it almost no. seems like there's gonna be like a boss rush mode or something. Yeah. So here's my theory. Oh, they did also show that Monster Hunter stage, which they didn't address. But whatsoever. here's the thing. So they showed a Monster Hunter stage, but it doesn't look like a normal stage. There's no, there's nothing. There's no way they debut an Omega stage. 
they would show the real stage well, and then the say there's is, a mega version. Like the it was a flat. No, yeah, but the empty. Castlevania one when Dracula was there, I don't think they had the platform. So, but yeah, so, that's, so maybe yeah, but that's they already like, showed the stage. So, yeah, that's right. So maybe like I think you're right when right. you're in this boss rush mode, mm-hmm. that may or may not exist. The Rathalos or Monster Hunter stage will get rid of the platform to be a plain area, but maybe in normal gameplay. And here's the thing: I think it's bigger than Boss Rush. I think. Are we gonna a... get Palicos as a representative for Monster Hunter? I think I don't know if there's gonna be a playable Monster Hunter I character. So. I mean, the same way that there isn't, you know, a playable character from. I was about to give an example, but I don't have one. To no, give. I, I haven't. Yeah, one. there's a couple. I, I, I just can't think of the without... name. It's the the music game. We music. No, think. Smaller and more obscure. Electroplankton. Yeah, electroplankton. Electroplankton is great, by the way. Yeah, but, but, um, yeah there's no electroplankton. Yeah, that's but, true. There's a couple. But, but there's the, no Pictochack <laughs> character. There's no stick figure. Yeah, but the cats would be perfect. They honestly because would. I could see them being. It, it would. It would be a nice way for them to include a monster in a character without it being like the one that's in Mar vs. Capcom right, or right. And it'd be more Nintendo because the cats are silly and wacky. Oh, totally. But yeah, the to to your point about um. Boss Rush, I think it's bigger than that. Because if you look at everything, and I'm not the first person online to say this. This is kind of a thing that's been going around. I'm not trying to take credit for this idea. But if you look at everything they revealed, it all seems to boil down. Like, there's this running motif of good guys versus bad guys. You know, look at the Ridley reveal, the King K. Rule reveal, the uh, DDD in the King K. Rule reveal. That's why Rathalos needs Dracula. a good guy to fight against. No, no, no. I, I don't mean in terms of you and your Monster Hunter dreams. I mean in no, terms of No, no, no. In general. Like, that's why, Like, everything is getting paired yeah. up. There is a Dracula, obviously, for Simon... Yeah, Rathalos okay, that's fair. So that's maybe right. there is. They, they, they yeah. need, I mean, they need cats yeah, to come fight yeah, the monsters. Yeah. yeah, you never know; it's possible. But I think whatever, That'd be perfect. Whatever, oof, whatever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever they do in terms of monster, I think this is all part of a bigger secret single player thing. Like they tease in the video, there's a special single player mode, and they won't say what it's called. And I, my gut feeling is this could be like subspace emissary. Like it's gonna be a full on story. It's gonna be good versus bad. It's gonna be boss fights. It's gonna have you know um, like actual that mode is gonna be smash run. It's it's gonna be smash run, and everyone's gonna be so disappointed. It, I mean, it could be. I don't know, but I just like it's gonna be a improved smash run. I'm just I'm just thinking like it, Great Cave Offensive. No, like like Kirby and Amazing Mirror, and you could go into some doors, and they'll just teleport you to like a random boss battle, and you have to get out, get your stuff. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I don't know, but they're definitely building something bigger that has a story element. So whether it plays out like smash runner plays out like subspace emissary i mean both of them what i liked about subspace emissary and even didn't even mind about smash run is that both in some capacity are kind of channeling like the old kirby gameplay that in a way inspired smash because sakurai is the kirby dude he started making kirby yeah. and you could see the roots of kirby in smash's single player stuff so anything that kind of plays back to that in some capacity i'm cool with which was subspace also emissary would be great because that's a straight up kirby game but where you punch people yeah, so I'm and, fine with that. Well, it's also like what I really appreciated from Smash Run that Suspect Emissary like really like just face that face face planted hard on mm-hmm. was the fact that like you have a whole like story mode, but you don't use any like characters from any of the franchises. You just have made up eyeball following you. So that's or what I'm little, they fix. or little key people. They appeared in Smash Run too, but for the most part. And Kid Icarus Uprising. Yeah, there randomly. was like, there was like, coffin, like, you would see like Pokeball Pokemon, and you would see Pokemon that weren't in Pokeballs only for the, only yeah. for Smash Run, or yeah. just random enemies like that. I mean, it would have been so much cooler to fight like Koopas and, I don't know, like the Adventure Mode and Melee. Like, kind I mean, of a mixture I mean, Subspace Emissary, the very first level did that. You went through the decayed New Super Mario Brothers world and there were Mario enemies. But then after that, it was all. Yeah, for normal. the most part, yeah. Like normal, generic, I mean. 
But yeah, I mean, it would all, whatever capacity this takes, that some folks from the, that looked at the Japanese direct knows that the fuzzed out name for the special single player mode is what looks like the Japanese word for spirit. So it's possible all these random character deaths we've been seeing, like Luigi, literally we see his ghost being split up from his body and he can't get back to it. It's possible the pro, the, the plot of whatever the single player mode ends up being is something with some characters have to rescue other characters because the bad guys figured out a way to split off their spirits or split them into ghosts or something like that, which would also explain why Luigi has that snazzy new Poltergust backpack. The Poltergust he has in Smash, in that trailer, looks nothing like the one he's had in any other game. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like a, a Splatoon ink canister. So there's got to be there's got to be something behind yeah, some of this. When was he ever able to shoot a plunger? I don't remember that from He Dark never could Moon shoot either. a plunger, and he definitely didn't have green liquid bouncing around like he did in the trailer. Like, it was a vacuum before. So... And and by the way, why would they make all these really fancy cinematics and then do nothing with them in the game? Like I mean, this all I they sort of have they always did that with Smash Four because that was yeah, their way true. of controlling spoilers because they didn't want anyone that's to. True. That's true. That was literally what you're it was, right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe not that point, but I think everything else is still. Valid. I mean, he had a theater mode where you could watch them all back that's to true. back for like a yeah. thirty minute long movie or something. But yeah, and and we do know that's true. But uh, I think okay. So regards to the cinematics, everything else seems to line up, and we do know the game will have a classic mode for people who just want the. Uh, Ability to take one character and have him paired up against thematically logical counter or opponents, so that's there. But in terms of like a bigger, deeper thing, I I think this is what it's going to be. So, yeah, I mean, wh- you, I guess it sounds like for you, you need it to be more Nintendo five to actually be something you want to play. Huh? Oh, if it was like a subspace emissary, would you like? Would you prefer a boss rush? Or would you? Because boss rush is kind of classic <sighs> mode, but on steroids. Versus, like, a full adventure mode, quote-unquote. All right. I guess, uh... Or you just say it for tournament mode. <laughs> I mean, I'm in it for everything but the single-player stuff. Awesome. So It's really but, irrelevant. But, I mean, if... At least honestly, cost- if it was a boss rush mode, I've... Historically, I've always loved playing boss rush mode. I mean, mode. that's essentially I feel mode. I feel like I've played... Like, every Kirby game that I have that has had a boss rush mode, I typically end up playing the boss rush mode more... That's usually what I ended up just putting all my time into, mm. like towards the end. Like I remember, I played the Kirby Nightmare and Dreamland Boss Rush for so long. I think I played it on and off throughout all of college, just because it was just really fun. Like it was just fun to try to get a perfect on it. Right. So I mean, I would I would like that mode. Normally I would ignore them, but if it was a boss, well, rush does mode, classic I'd... mode count as that? Because classic mode is basically a weird boss. No, rush. because I just like to get to the the nitty gritty of the bosses. Like I mean. No, but classic mode, they just pit you against yeah, but thematically appropriate yeah, but opponents still, that get increasingly Yeah, but you're still, playing, the, oh, you're still playing those like other yeah, CPUs like fair. in Smash Bros. style. Yeah. These bosses are like, you have to memorize their, their tells and their animations and stuff right. like that. That's more of a, like something you could speedrun. I mean, yeah. So yeah, so you're basically in it for the competitive modes. Yeah, I'm in it for the competitive modes, the, the all-star mode... Yeah, so let's dive right into that, actually. There's a lot of competitive modes. There's a lot of mo- Like, for a game from a guy who last episode we were talking about isn't a fan of people playing competitively and making money, Sakurai sure did include a lot of very competitive-friendly features in Ultimate. Stuff that I wouldn't even expect. Like, I mean, the um, the final Smash meter thing, where basically instead of having Smash Balls, they added what amount to Super Meters. Honestly, like, like that's deep down inside... Very not what I would expect Sakurai like, to do. Deep down inside, I kind of hope that becomes, like... The normal, the norm. way, yeah, the normal way to play, just because like it adds, me- it adds hype. Meters are just always exciting. Like Street Fighter has them. Every fighting game you could think of 
has a meter that you build up and just does like some stupid crazy move that takes away like half your health. Like, there's no reason why Smash Brothers doesn't have to have one. Yeah. And if anything, it might even help it because some people say the games take too long and this might be a way for you to increase the stock count and just play with those Smash things. Plus, it just leads to more exciting modes. Like, we all remember... I'm speaking for all our listeners. We all remember at the Smash Invitational, the first one in 2014, when the Mega Man moment happened with the final Smash, and everyone's figuring out the guys like Mega Man. Yeah, the only like having the ability to have those moments regularly as part of normal fighting without items on is kind of a nice thing to have. Yeah, the only thing is that um, they said the Smash the Smash attacks will be weaker, but I mean the Smash attacks, the final yeah, Smashes the, will or, be yeah, weaker. Smashes, yeah, but in spite of that. When they were showing that gameplay demo, um, Mars still killed in one hit, mm-hmm. which is like okay. So yeah, weaker weaker is relative. So and then you have other Final Smashes like Bowser's, where his whole thing is that he punches you into the screen with one hit. Right. Like, how do you make that weaker outside of just making it not kill instantly? Because then at that point, then it just doesn't just feel mo- good to you. Yeah, it. yeah. So it'll, what I'm so what I would assume would happen, and I'm hoping if they actually want to balance this out is. Um, depending on the type of Final Smash, the characters charge it up at different rates. Like maybe it takes Bowser like five times longer to reach his Final Smash because it's literally but a, that's a guaranteed kill. kill. Yeah. yeah, versus Mario that you can easily dodge because he just shoots a giant, yeah, giant fireball at you. That's a good idea. That's a real good idea. I mean, that'd be. I feel like they would have to do that if they don't want it to be delegated to just another mode. Because honestly, that's pretty fair. Like maybe yeah. Mars basically never gets it out if you were playing with two stocks because it just isn't enough time for him to build it up and then of course you have to factor in what happens with the new stamina mode yeah and if the match lasts so long that it's like 300% each then at that point it doesn't even matter that he right. did his final smash right because anything would kill yeah I am curious how stamina modes actually gonna play out like it's interesting because it says stalker time it's until the players basically like I mean that's always that's always die. been there has so, it they yeah. act like it has something I've never tried stamina mode it's been there since Mel- since Melly how's it work is um, it just reverse damage like how yeah everyone just has starts with 300 health you don't you don't fly out further the more damage you take you just you 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 fly out a set amount Interesting. and every time you take damage your percentage goes down We've, why have we never tried this mode us like our group I don't know we just typically don't I guess hmm. Interesting. yeah and then once you reach zero you just die the only thing that's changing on those is that stamina mode used to be a special smash toggle uh-huh. and now they're Making it a standard mode. A standard mode when you're flipping through like right. stock, time, and right. coin or whatever. And then they're also doing what's kind of like the character select version of a stamina mode with that smashdown mode, oh, where yeah. you start with the whole roster and each time you fight, you lose those characters you oh, yeah, buy that... as until you get stuck with the ones you're bad with or whatever. Whatever your strategy may be, maybe you save the good ones for later. Who knows? Yeah, but then they might but, use exactly. your character. Yeah, yeah. so I'm actually pretty. I mean, it's kind of cool. I like that mode just because. I would already do that with some of my friends. Right, and now it's like we, would, in. we would call it, um, I mean, it's just typically known as your, an Iron Man mode. Right. And usually in our version, what you do is you start on opposite ends of the character select screen, and then you just go down the row. If you win, you progress. If you don't mm-hmm. win, you stay mm-hmm. at that character. Or you just move on anyway and you just keep track of who got the most wins. But since now there's like 70 plus characters, I don't think <laughs> you want to go through 70 plus matches. Yeah. So it does make sense to only do... 40 matches total and it actually keeps track of it which is really cool right and and the nintendo's billing it again the whole like N- sakurai is really seeming to care about the competitive players that he says he doesn't care about um or doesn't want to get paid whatever they're billing it as not just a way for skilled people to have multiple fires but also as a way to get people who aren't as skilled to diversify their rosters because you're literally stuck changing characters and the game tracks it 
It's kind of like how the um, training mode now shows trajectory of every hit. Like, the exact... Literally draws the arcs of every character as they're hit and stuff, which... Is, and the weight ratios and stuff, which yeah. is just, like, they're really catering to having you hone your skills. Yeah, Smashdown cool. sounds really fun, and I could definitely see that. I could see myself playing that with a bunch of different friends. Squad Strike could be cool, too. Oh, Squad Strike. Squad, they're literally just cherry-picking things from other games, because, I mean, the final yes. Smash Mirror is Street Fighter. Squad Strike is basically Marvel vs. Capcom, except not just, all in one match. <laughs> yeah, that one is... um. It's close. It's as close as I'm gonna get to the mode I was requesting for a long time, which is like an all-star mode where, and like, if you're playing three stocks, you play, you pick three different characters to represent each stock. But now instead, you pick. You can only do three versus three or five versus five, mm-hmm. and you pick three characters, and each character is its own full match, which is still cool. Yeah, but all, all the all the matches, like it's it's all considered one battle, and they go back. To yeah, back so, it. so it's, it's kind of like what you're doing. It's, it's literally. But... Kind of not. Yeah, it's just a longer version of what I wanted. Yeah. Which I'm perfectly fine with. And honestly, this is... It's basically Pokemon. Like... You yeah, which to, I remember you pitching on the show. Yeah, exactly. Thanks like for that. listening, Sakurai. We appreciate your time. Yeah, you pick your line. I was like, like all right, cool. I want Bowser as my anchor. I'm going to pick yeah. um, Ridley as my starter and K. Rool as, like, my center. And I don't know. That's really cool. I do... I literally have, like, matches like these with friends. I have, like, a group of friends that we... Prima just do these kinds of things all the time. So and now Nintendo's catering to it. On top of the tournament mode that they brought back, just like how it was in Brawl. Thirty-two Hopefully players. Hopefully, it's better than it was in Brawl. And Brawl was perfectly fine, but so far it looks identical. It has a pretty awesome angry Mario start screen though. Yeah, Mario looks pissed. But you know, you know what's weird though. So they have tourney mode. What, where's online? What's the deal with online? I mean, they showed the the button, but I'm they, guessing they they're going to reveal an that. envelope with a notification icon. I'm sure they'll reveal all that like. After the online service gets announced, how much you bet? maybe they'll have a direct, and then during that direct, they'll talk about the Smash online, and then they'll reveal another character at the and end. And then they'll be like, by the way, that envelope with the notification icon, you thought it was a game invite? Nuh-uh. It's in-game notifications. Psych. Because that's oh, honestly God. my fear. You know how in the quick menu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they had that in the last Smash, or one, or a couple Smash ago, where there was like this notification tray. It was in Smash on 3DS, I think, originally, and I guess Wii U. Um... And it's like, oh, like they showed footage, like, oh, that looks like it's going to be messaging or something. No, it was not. It's cool that it's can, you can pop it in anywhere by hitting ZL or ZR, but it's kind of useless. Actually, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the Switch Online service. Can, can we actually talk about Switch Online as a whole for a second here? Like, I don't mean to get on my soapbox, but two, it's been two weeks since we ran. Well, about I mean, this is literally This is literally soapbox. the platform. Uh, it's been two weeks since we ran about Switch Online in our last episode. And in those two weeks, two new pieces of information came out, right? One is that the service is now coming out the second half of September, which buys Nintendo the littlest of more time to get everything out there without actually delaying it. So they're really kind of close. But the second thing is they're remaining way too coy about all this. Like this – don't know nothing. I know. This was apparent in the whopping grand total of two tweets that Nintendo made about Switch Online just since our last episode. One was outlining the features we already know about without actually telling us anything about how it works. And the other was highlighting how you can play the NES version of Super Mario Bros. 3, of all things, online at launch. Which, yeah, that's cool, like reliving the past of, you know, sharing a controller with a friend, going back and forth, you're now just doing it through the web, that's great. But that's your best foot forward for Switch Online, Nintendo? A basically single-player experience? Like Mario Party, or Mario Party, like Super Mario... See, Mario Party would even make more sense. But like a basic single-player experience, like Mario 3, is your leading example of how Switch Online works? And that, and never mind the fact that we they didn't explain how it would even work. Like, 
do you get to chat while you play? Does it require the smartphone app for the chat? It's not like there's heavy bandwidth use here. So it's not like you need the smartphone app because the lag of watching your friend in that boot costume. Like, that's not a thing, the the shoe. So, I, I don't know. It, it made me realize that there are actually a lot of unanswered questions that you think we would know by now, especially because pre-orders have been open since our last episode. You know, things like... This is a list. Get ready. Things like, uh... Which existing games require online? Do they get their own sections in the Switch Online smartphone app? Do they get voice chat? Do they need the app for said voice chat? How does the Switch Online game discount system work? How often will we get new discounts? Or even new online NES games, for that matter? What are those other NES games? Switch bonus things on the... No, we haven't. I know, it's been over a year. Hold on, the list keeps going. How do cloud saves work? Why is there a disclaimer on the website that cloud saves only work with select games? I imagine it's for Pokemon and Animal Crossing because they don't want you cloning that uh, save data. But does that mean a lot of games won't have cloud saves because it's not OS level? Or are they blocking just those two in-game from using the OS level feature? Like, we don't know. What what will cloud save be like? How much cloud space do you even get to have for it, your cloud it's saves? It's assumed it's limited because they haven't but said who it. who knows? And perhaps biggest of all... No, it's going to be one gig. Probably. Or no, it's probably like two megs. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I was being... Yeah. Biggest question of all, how do you even tell what games use Switch Online? There is no indication anywhere. Like, I just rattled off, I, I don't even know how many questions. And yes, I did write those all down in advance because I knew I'd forget one or two. But that's like a dozen questions of real, about every feature. And I, it's funny because I was texting, I was texting my friend about the lack of real Switch Online details earlier today. And he jokingly was saying to just trust Nintendo since they clearly know what they're doing. Wait, which, that's a lie. I didn't get any texts. I have other friends. Really? I know. What? I know. It's crazy. But oh. yeah, he was he was saying, you know, uh, they, they know what they're doing, which is clearly the problem here. Because Nintendo has a history of not knowing how to best do online. So who knows what Switch Online will even be? Like, I mean, for all we know... Nintendo's going to see all this talk of two-step authentication uh, on website login, and they're going to introduce an even more three, uh, like an even more secure three-step authentication because they think you know that's what you need to do. So you're going to need like authenticate your Switch via your phone app, then you authenticate your phone app via your Switch, then you bust out Game Boy Color, open Zelda Oracle of Ages, beat the game, get the postcode like Oracle Seasons transfer, insert that onto your Switch, and then you can log in or like you know something ridiculous like that. And the crazy thing is, it sounds ridiculous, but you know what else sounds ridiculous? Requiring an entirely separate device for voice chat. So, like, who knows what any of this is actually going to be? It's I wanna bizarre. Know, I want to know who is responsible for that specific decision. For using Zelda Oracle of Ages to log into No, 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 no. For, for using a separate device for chat. I don't know. Like, I want to know the name of that one person that and came up with that. And you watch you murder them? <laughs> no, no, I just want to know who it is. Yeah, I don't know. And, like, hopefully... I want to know who thought after, like, over a decade of, like, the PS3 and Xbox and other platforms. And PC. And PC just, like, not really having an issue with that. I mean, there's inherent... There's always inherent, like, issues that come with voice chat in general that you just have to accept. You, you can't avoid them. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be toxic people no matter where you go. Even if you make it as squeaky clean as possible. People, the internet still exists. People can still exchange their codes with whoever they want anonymously. So They're going to say it's a bandwidth thing. They're going to say yeah. for latency prevention, they move voice chat to a separate app. Because conv- you talk on your phone anyway. You use Discord on your phone if you're playing some games. So, like, 
why not use it for Switch? It's like, well, no, no, no. Right. If Discord's on the thing you're using, you're going to use it on that thing. Yeah, not right. on your and usually, you only fall back. If you, it's a usually, safety net. Not and, and typically, when you're playing a game at home, it's like, yeah, it's like, if you're playing a console game at home, you're using your Wi-Fi, which means that if you're using Discord, most people will be connected on their phone through their Wi-Fi. Why are they going to use their data if they're at home? Here's my or theory. Their data? Here's my theory. Since Nintendo Wi-Fi Connection launched in 2005, Nintendo has not offered a full voice chat solution. So, for now... Metroid Prime Hunters is doing it better than... I know. But so for now... And even then, that uh, wasn't even 12 a 12 years? 13 years? Depending on how you look at it, I guess. Um, depending on how math works. For 13 years, Nintendo's conditioned us that if you all play online, you call your friend on your phone and put him on speakerphone and put the speakerphone down next to you and play Switch Online. So then they're like... Or play Nintendo Online. DS, Wii, Wii U, 3DS, what have you. So now someone at Nintendo's like, well, what if... We already they already do that behavior and they've accepted it for thirteen years. So what if we just like augment that a bit? Let's just enhance that a bit. Like we don't need to worry about lag. We didn't or accept it. We may do. We, yeah, but that's yeah. probably their backwards logic. I mean, hopefully by the time our next episode rolls around, we'll finally know some of these things about Switch Online because like all those questions I rattled off before, we kind of need answers to those. Those yeah. are crucial, like honestly- foundational details about switch online and to not have them is just nuts and we've and we've said this before many times but like even though we knew we were gonna have to pay for online before the switch came out like it's been so long yeah that we haven't had to do that that it feels weird yeah it it literally feels like i'm just paying i'm being inconvenienced to play smash brothers yeah like i don't really right now i don't see a reason nintendo hasn't shown me a reason why i need to pay yeah, Sony, Microsoft, sure, they give us a lot of free games. They do a lot of other stuff. See if they, it just works. But and they give us like PS4 games for free every Not month. Not like, Mario Three. Yeah, like like literally <laughs> like games that came out a couple months ago sometimes, yeah. or like even a couple years old, which is perfectly fine for someone like me that just got a PS4. Like they're helping me build up my library. Nintendo, they have like over a thousand games on the on the Switch. Yep, for Switch. Yep. I mean, or it's coming up on a thousand. I don't know if we hit it yet. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, and and the, and the thing is, <laughs> that's genuine frustration. And the thing is, like the NES online thing is actually cool, but it's not the. It shouldn't be the focus. It should be an act like an extra. Like it's the focal point right now. It really shouldn't be, and it you know it almost feels like the way Nintendo's been trickling out info, the way they've been kind of tiptoeing. It almost feels like they're too embarrassed by it to properly explain what it is. It's like they know it's like kind of like they're kind of ashamed. It's like out of shame they're holding back. They're kind of like, well, if we just give them little tidbits and they think there's more coming, we can't look that bad because they'll think there's more coming. And then when it launches, just be like, oh, like, well, I guess we look bad now anyway. <laughs> but I don't know. It definitely feel, doesn't it kind of feel like they're not remorseful about it. But like, even just the way, like, if you look like the infographics they've been tweeting out, they're still, like, bare bones and, like, made in paint, if I may. It definitely looks like something Nintendo's like, <sighs> Japan's time to do this. Here we go. I swear, like, it's really we're going to be really disappointed with how little this is going to have, but I bet, like, if they had told us from the very beginning that that was all of it, like, many, many months ago, we would have been... Now, to be fair, to Nintendo, the they have pretty much told us it's cloud saves, it's NES, and it's the app. What they haven't told us is what any of that means. So, if, yes, if they up front said all of that, we'd probably be less disappointed because we no, would have gotten no, that no, anger it, out a long time ago. Yeah, if they gave us all those details. But, but just, like, towing the line with barely enough information as they've been doing is arguably, yes, worse. 
So we'll see what happens. I hope I hope they get their act together at least by December when Smash rolls around. Um, well, at least some games figured out with chat. With, yeah, with Fortnite. Yeah, that's the things no one has to do. That's the other thing. What are the requirements to switch online? It's what do people not yeah. do? Like Fortnite has normal voice chat, and Nintendo's cool with it. So obviously there's some freedom here. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean if I go buy Smash? Do I have to use the app? Is Nintendo going to somehow program it in because Sakurai gets the same freedom that Epic Games gets? Like, I, I really don't know. Time will tell. But before we wrap up on Smash, that was kind of a detour. But one last thought on Smash. One more thing to note. Um, Europe's getting a bunch of cool physical stuff that we're not, and it's unfair. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know why Nintendo of Europe was the only one to announce this. But if you're in Europe and you want Smash, they're releasing a limited edition bundle that comes with the game, a steelbook cover for the game, a GameCube controller adopt, uh, adapter, and a Smash Bros. GameCube controller. Just one. Just one controller. For the multiplayer fighting game, you get a single controller. But, like, regardless of that... I mean, the box looks nice. The box looks nice. The steelbook's kind of cool. It, so the it's a collectible. The box has the Everyone Is Here art. And it's weird that NOA didn't announce this for America yet, if at all. They also did weird... They, did they put yeah. on um, on the picture of the box that they put... Um, not final picture yet or are they think like these are <laughs> no. all the characters uh, revealed so the picture's really that's s- final I it does s- have King K. Rool and it does have Simon in them I love how they like left holes in the artwork to put more characters but they're well disguised so, like people no, think no, it's the those, final collage the but holes weren't there they created those holes after the video what? They move people around? Yeah. I, no, I thought they left. I thought everything was like no, that. Are no, you sure? I'm sure. Oh. You could look at your own picture that you took. I could. From Comic-Con. I mean, from E3. From E3. Yeah. Like, they they squeezed everyone in. Oh, and then they, they just spread keep, it out. Yeah, they keep spreading oh, people out. I guess that makes sense. But, I mean, they had to, but, but think about it. They still have to figure out the jigsaw puzzle. It was, it was that way before um, they announced Ridley. They have like a version with Oh, that's Ridley. right. Yeah. That's right. Well, okay. Let me reword that then. There weren't holes, but they had to figure out each iteration of the art and make it so the characters oh, came yeah, together yeah. with or without. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But so that's still impressive. But yeah, so um, I don't think yeah, but that's it a says, not final art. I don't yeah. think it says it on the box, but um, it it it's very small. They haven't released a high res image of the box. It's a very low res one, probably intentionally. Uh, but in addition to that, you know what else Europe got that we didn't get? Oh, imagine they forgot to remove a character from that art. art oh, can you yeah. imagine? And it got well, someone, would, someone and went under right now. Mr. Rossetti's a playable character, and everyone's like, "What?" Yeah. And his final Smash is yelling at you, and people are like, "What?" This reminds me of when um, people found out that Ganon was returning in Smash Four because of his little bubble that appeared for like half a second oh, yeah. in the trailer. I remember that. And yeah. they're like, "Oh, there he is." Yeah. And then the move, and then the video got edited to remove him, and then that, but it's like, like and then that just confirmed confirming it. it. Yeah. yeah, just let it go. But but the other thing that Europe got um, that we didn't get weirdly yet is confirmation that all the new fighters are getting amiibo. Simon, Richter, King K. Rule, Dark Samus, Krom. That's a lot of amiibo now. Yeah. Um, now obviously they're coming to America. Bill Trenton retweeted Nintendo of Europe, so there's sort of your confirmation. But yeah, what are you gonna do? Because you're only buying amiibo, from my understanding, of new characters, right? That you don't have amiibo for, and none of these five you have amiibo for. So you're actually gonna get all five, or are you gonna cherry pick? Because I know you don't care about Castlevania, so you're just gonna skip it. Like I'm tempted to get Dark I, Samus. I, it might have to be. It's tricky, right? It's tricky, tricky, yeah. tricky, tricky. Yes. Ooh, imagine if the guy with the afro from SSX Tricky was in was in Smash Bros. Just a thought. I forgot his name. He'd be cool. Because I mean, it's like bad enough that I would have to get Crom, and <laughs> bad enough. Oh, the torture. Well, yeah, because I mean, I get have Dark to... Samus at least. I'm getting Dark Samus. Well, I mean, Dark I, Samus looks awesome. I mean, I, I I have to get Dark Samus and Ridley and King K. Rule at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I'm happy with the Inkling Amiibo that I already have, assuming that one works. Right. I'm I'm sure it will. I don't see why it wouldn't. It will. But it's just it's just weird to me that they didn't announce it in America. These Amiibo, like that's a 
part of this whole process is you announce the character, you announce the amiibo, and they just skip. If it. I had a Daisy, I wouldn't get the new Daisy, but I don't have a Daisy. So there so... you go. Yeah. But you know what's funny? So instead of um, instead of announcing amiibo or limited edition bundle or anything like that, you know what NOA announced over like around the time of this direct, shortly thereafter, raspberries. A no, no. Because they were blowing raspberries. I, I got it, but yeah. no. They announced a new Walmart exclusive Switch bundle that comes out September 9th and comes with not Smash Bros, but for three hundred fifty nine dollars, you, yes, you, can get a Switch along with free download codes of Mario Tennis Aces and One Two Switch. Which, as odd as that looks at first glance, actually kind of makes sense. Because, like, Aces is getting that motion control mode next month, right? Where I can't you... believe it still wasn't in there. And what it's, was? And it, the, that, that motion control mode. Oh, yeah, I know. You'd think it'd be there day one, but it's coming next month And instead. I'm still really curious how that whole calling out works. Like, are they intentionally going to call ins out and you'd have to be really aware of them? Or... or do they purposely have the ball just constantly skirt the line and then the game just... Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out next month. It, it's really weird. It sounds like... I definitely yeah. want to try it with you, and then, like, we'll give impressions on the show. Because, yeah, it's... I'm really well, I wonder if there is someone... I wonder if there has to be a third person that has to play as a ref, and it's up to them to... No, it's the game. It's the game. Man. I, I, oh, wait. No, maybe it's because not. Because I, I feel like for something like that, there has to be a human element. Otherwise, it's not really fair. It's just, like, That's the true. computer being a mini panini, for lack of a better term. There's, There's plenty, so many better terms. <laughs> there are better terms, yeah. Well... I prefer my paninis nice. It's easier but, for me not to edit myself. Yes, but we are an E for everyone podcast. Exactly. That's yes. Why. But, uh, no, but the, the inclusion of, like, the pairing of Mario Tennis and 1 2 Switch is kind of like smart. Like wine and crackers. Yes. Wine and crackers. Wine and cheese. Yeah, it's like, why crackers? I mean, you can put the crackers with the cheese. I forgot the cheese. I forgot the cheese. You forgot the cheese. Yeah. You, you, you were supposed to bring the cheese. I, I brought the I, wine I, and the I'm, crackers. I'm so sorry. It's, we're having a horrible picnic. Um, but, I assume that's what you take to a picnic. Um, but yeah, no, Aces and 1-2-Switch actually make sense, as I was starting to say, because once they release that mode that we don't understand how it will work, the hook of that mode is you face your opponent directly with two switches between you, and then you play tennis using Joy-Con, swinging back and forth at your opponent. 1-2-Switch is literally that same setup. So to have 1-2-Switch and Mario Tennis paired together actually is like a perfect pairing, even though it really doesn't seem like it in the surface. So that's kind of cool of them to do. But uh, the only thing is, the only part of this bundle that's actually a deal is one two switch you're paying 360 you're paying for a full mario tennis and a full switch and then they're just like here's a game that should have been packed in from day one anyway it has some fun little mini games yeah. like i'm paid, curious i paid full price for that you did yeah. i'm curious to see how this bundle does especially since i imagine that um it won't be the only one this holiday like nintendo would be crazy not to do a proper smash bundle last year for example around this time walmart had an exclusive splatoon 2 bundle I think they also launched it in early September. And then they rolled out the Mario Odyssey bundle hardware and game when that game launched. So I can only assume that was Smash there a will Zelda get the, one? There was not, but there didn't need to be because it was a launch title. Yeah. But I can only assume when Smash launches, they're going to mimic that strategy from last year and have a Smash bundle. So this is kind of like the the pre-game of the holidays with this weird tennis switch, uh, one-two switch bundle that isn't that weird. But, but anyway, yeah. So we don't know any Smash hardware stuff or physical stuff, but we know a whole lot about the game. And we just spent an hour and 14 minutes discussing it. And that finally brings us to the end know, of the Smash portion of like the podcast. I know, only 26 minutes I know. Well, I've noticed whenever we cover a direct, we always seem to about double the time with our analysis of this it. This was quadruple. Yeah. Well, I can't explain that one. We had a lot of puns. They eat up a lot of time. 
But anyway, there's news beyond, beyond Smash. Like, it's not just Smash. Like, Smash really? isn't the only game that got an info blowout these past couple weeks. You know what so else? So here's our rapid fire. Here's our, here's our, boom, 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 boom. No, but you know Ten what? words or less per topic. Doom Eternal is coming to the Nintendo Switch on yeah, one more word. future. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't announce the date, I realized. But yeah, that's the thing is Bethesda held um, QuakeCon last week. And they used the opportunity. They showed off Doom Eternal game uh, like the gameplay of doom eternal for the first time and by the way it should still be called eternal doom what are they thinking but regardless um they confirmed the game's officially switch bound and it's a big deal at least to me because the current doom game on switch just doom is so good like it's really good it's fast paced it's frantic it has kind of this metroid prime vibe to the whole thing like metroid was an action game um i gave full impressions of it back in episode 165 for anyone who's curious about that and didn't hear it but what's cool with doom eternal is that they're building on top of what works works so well in ways that just feel like natural extensions. Like one of my favorite things about the original Doom on Switch is that you could kind of get in this groove where you're running and gunning and you just sort of get in this rhythm of doing it and the music's really intense and you just kind of go, go, go. And now they're just sort of, for lack of a better term, I guess they're just like keeping up that rhythm. Like there's now a grappling hook you can use on enemies as well as a new like wrist knife for close quarters combat. So it's just like more ways to keep the momentum going like you're that wasn't there a before. Predator. Huh? Yeah, you're basically Predator. Yeah. yeah. But without the dreadlocks. Yeah. Yeah. But the um the the real star of the show is not dreadlockless predator. It's another new feature they added, which is this is actually pretty cool. It's a Dark Souls, Demon Souls style multiplayer mode element thing where people can literally invade each other's single player campaigns. So how it works is that you can literally take control of one of the demons in someone else's game. So you're essentially tagging out the AI for yourself, and then you fight them as a demon. And if you prefer, you can also do co-op with a friend and fight demons together, opposed to one of you being a demon. But it's just cool that you can go crash other people's games as a demon. That is a feature. Watch Dogs does it too. Yeah, that is a feature I do like about um, most of these modern games doing that. Like Resident Evil 6 did it, which was really cool because I would enter other people's games and... They'd be doing fine, and then my brother and I would get in there, and all of a sudden we would just, like, overrun them and kill them. Mm-hmm. Or we would notice that someone else would invade our game, and it's like, oh, okay, all these NPCs, like, they're pretty dumb. I mean, they're zombies, but... But then this one... one's really smart. Yeah, but there's that one zombie that's, like, yeah. kind of running in a weird kind of direction. And it, and it just feels like, again, like, it makes sense for Doom, because Doom was always about just you're mowing down hordes of demons. So, of course, every so often you might get a smart demon. That's just It just makes sense in the world. Yeah. So um, there's also standard multiplayer like in the original Doom for anyone who just wants to shoot people that aren't demons and just other demon hunter, doom killer dudes. Um, but perhaps the most impressive thing about all this is not the cool new modes. It's that Bethesda has indicated from everything I've seen that Doom Eternal is going to launch day and date with every other console version on Switch. There's no delayed port here, which is kind of huge because uh, I don't think – yeah, I think this is the first AAA non-sports third-party game on Switch that is getting a day-and-date release. And they're able to do it in part because they're passing off development to uh, Panic Button again, who did the first one. Oh, so it doesn't even feel like a port. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like the original, it'll run at full 30 frames per second on Switch. Um, I mean, you could argue they're just overlaying the new gameplay on the existing engine, which does make it a little more feasible to get out day-and-date. But nonetheless, like I said... The first AAA non-sports game third-party release on Switch ever. Like, that's huge. It's about time, finally. And I feel like if Bethesda's able to do it, 
so should pretty much every other third party. Like, any justification a company has for not doing a simultaneous day one release, kind of moot now. Like, if something like Doom can pull it off, I don't see why, say, Spyro Reignited Trilogy, which isn't confirmed for Switch, but it's been leaked. It's coming to Switch. I don't see why that can't. Like, we know Crash came to Switch. That had no problem. Why can't Spyro just do it? Why do they have to delay it for some arbitrary reason? Like, not to call it Spyro. It's in a tough spot right now. They just had to do a last-minute delay. They had some blowback because they were only putting part of the, of the trilogy on the disc and the rest was a download, and now they're going back, rumor has it, and adding it all to the disc because people were mad, which is why it's now delayed till November. But, like, why don't they just put the Switch version out at the same time? It just doesn't I know. Sense. They're literally making sure that their games are doomed to fail. Ha! Well, not doomed. Not Doom. Doom's day and date. No, I know that. Yeah. No, that's the other developers oh, yes, that aren't yes, doing it day yes, and date. Are, are doomed to fail at the hands of Doom. This is so much like the death, stared death, scared to death by death line yes. from the stuff. Anyway, but to be fair, I should be fair to third parties. Um, not every single third party game will be able to do a day and date release. Like that, I understand there's technical, significant technical adjustments that maybe need to be done and people don't know if they can be yeah. done. I mean, even like in the Bethesda family, they were asked about what about Rage 2? Could that come to Switch? And there's all sorts of legitimate issues they have to overcome. Apparently I mean, the entire... Tried. I mean, it is a much weaker console, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like with Rage, they haven't even ruled it out. They're just saying like it has no load times. Everything's streaming as you're playing. So like how's that work on a system like Switch that has so much less RAM is kind of their concern. So, you know, those, those justifications, sure. I mean, Breath of the Wild kind of does no loading time. That's true, but I guess when you go into temples, but you could also just never go, go into, into a, a temple and just walk around. Yeah, you could just never go yeah. into a shrine and then there basically be no load times. Yeah, I guess, I guess you have done that. So. That's true. So yeah, okay, Rage, where you at? Yeah, but no, like, I, I kind of get it. But if, if a game can clearly play nice with Switch on a technical level and they just don't release it to a later time, like, those justifications for that that any publisher has are now, as far as I'm concerned, out the window. They're just poor excuses now. And for me personally, like, it's not that big of a deal when a port is late on Switch. Like, I only own Nintendo systems. So if I want to play something, I'll play it on Switch whenever it arrives. But what's interesting, like, I know you have a PS4, so you have kind of the problem that a lot of people have, which is where do you play it? Do you wait? Do you play it now? And what's interesting is uh, NPD recently revealed that here in the U.S., 70%, so like almost three-quarters, of Switch owners also own a PS4 or Xbox One. They're Meaning, very complimentary. Right? They really are. I mean, it's very much the Wii 60 thing all over again. You could just as easily get a bunch of multiplayer games like Rocket League and Worms, WMD, on the PS4, but... It makes more sense on Switch. Yeah, I mean, not only are the controllers way more expensive, I mean, you could buy, like, for 80 bucks if you're playing Split Joy-Con. A lot of games are perfectly fine with Split Joy-Con. Yeah. Like, it's way more affordable, and you already come with two, and... Oh, it makes more sense. It's also easier to just take the console to another friend's house and just experience the game really quickly, and it, yeah. But then on the flip side of that, what if you're a single player game? Like then, like yeah, for every game that comes to Switch late, the ja- the vast new- majority of owners of those types of game or of Switch owners who want those types of games already had the opportunity to buy it. Perhaps already did buy it on another platform. So like a Switch port often needs to be more worthwhile in some capacity yeah. for it to hit after day one and still be I, like one. I, ha- I have to pretty much ask myself can I see myself playing this game while on the go yeah because intrinsically because, that's the selling point yeah because that's literally the only difference otherwise I'm literally well, sacrificing some graphical fidelity literally at the bare bones level yeah. what's nice is some publishers are starting to layer on top of that a little a little yeah I mean some have like an extra mode or two but for the most part like I mean like stick it to no like flipping death 
I have that one on the PS4. It's available for both. It's the exact same game, but I was offered a 20% discount on the PS4, so... Wow. And yet here we are still giving the impression on it here because it is still on Switch. Yeah, it's the exact yeah. same game. It's exactly. not like... Um, what's a good game that's on both consoles but it's pretty different? Maybe that... Um, Need for Speed that had a there's bunch no of Wii need, U stuff. There's no Need for oh what on the Wii U oh on the Wii U that had like a bunch of like exclusive like yeah. Nintendo goodies and stuff like that. There were no Nintendo goodies in Need for Speed, were there? There was one. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, regardless, what's interesting is like because you're making the point that Switch, you know, it has portability on its side, and that is a sign point in itself. But I think excluding sales and situations like yours, grind. I think that's only been proven at a surface level to just say, like, I can play this game now on the go. That's cool. Like, I don't need anything else. It can come late, but it can play it on the go. Great. That seems to only really work for smaller indie projects, I feel like. Like, you know, uh, I always love throwing random stats about how an indie game's doing. So here's the latest. Right. Uh, the just released Salt and Sanctuary came out, I don't know, a week ago on Switch? Two weeks ago? In its first week on the eShop, has sold just as much as it did in its debut week on Steam two years ago. So, like, there's an appetite for that. And some bigger publishers seem to be latching onto that, like Ubisoft. It does feel like an indie machine for some reason. Yeah, it does, because it makes, like, you don't need more of a selling point. Like, I mean, I already have so many games, so many indie games especially, on there that... Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean... Well, it's because you don't need more yeah. of a selling point is what I started to say. Yeah. It's like, you... The idea of just being like, oh, this game that runs identically on my Switch and my PS4 is now suddenly on my TV or on the go, all in one package? Sure, I'll buy that. But then, and, and you know, so that means that smaller games like what Ubisoft is now announcing, those work. Because they, they just announced Child of Light and Valiant Hearts coming to Switch. They've been out on other systems for a while. Um, they're both kind of artsy, indie, smaller projects. But they don't, like, they're not graphical powerhouses. They don't do anything that really no, yeah, leverages yeah, yeah. No, the yeah, next-gen yeah, for, tech. For those, that makes more sense. Like, for Doom yeah. Eternal, like, I would pro- if I were to get one, I, I enjoyed Doom, but not enough to really bother with it. At the time, like, I borrowed it from Jason for a while just to see if it was for me. And right. I don't know. I got pretty far in it, but I don't know. I, I kind of had to... Fizzled out? Yeah, I just fizzled out but pretty see, fast But see, but it's not like you're going to suddenly get it on PS4. No, it's not like you're just not going to get it. No, 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 I know. Thing. I know. But, like, yeah. say I did, like, love the game and I was right. really looking forward to the sequel, I would probably get it on PS4 just because... You prefer that, the that higher... That extra little bit of it looking right. prettier. Exactly. Oh, which which yeah. is a fair argument to make. But, yeah, but, but like you were saying, I prefer indie games. It's like... Or for... Yeah, or like Child Light. Yeah. Or Valiant Hearts, like so. Child Light is a, a basically looks like a Wii U. Uh, it was no. I don't know if it's. Am I thinking of another game of something of light? I'm not sure. If Child, I don't remember. If Child Light made it to Wii U, but that's the that's the uh, watercolor looking RPG from Ubisoft. That, that is the Ubi Art engine, so yeah. maybe it was. Valiant Heart uses the same engine, but I don't, I I don't really know anything it. about it. But yeah, for the Switch edition, like, of course they're doing like, oh, in Child of Light, you can have a second player use a second Joy-Con to do local co-op, which like totally fits the Switch's mo, and that's fine. But then you look at other things that we stopped doing, kind of to your point about, like, depends on the graphic fidelity, depends on the features of the game, because Ubisoft giveth and Ubisoft taketh away. Same week they announced Child Light and Valiant Heart, uh, they tweeted that the Switch version of Steep is officially canceled. And, I mean, the writing's been on the wall for that one. It was announced that the Switch is unveiling, yet we never saw any footage of it. And now it's obviously never going to happen. And it's it just it, even knowing it wasn't going to happen realistically, it's still kind of a bummer because no, like the light is on Wii U. Oh, there we go. And PlayStation Four and PlayStation Three and oh, it's on everything. Oh yeah, it's on everything. PlayStation Vita. It's literally on everything. Yep. It's probably on your smart fridge if you have one. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's still. Kind of, what I was saying about Steep is it's kind of a bummer. That's never kind because like I was actually kind of oh, excited. Wow, even on regular PSP. 
Really? Yeah. The game's not even that old. Huh. I guess it is. I guess in Japan and the Switch and oh, okay. Microsoft. Well, yeah, the the Switch is the one coming out. And Windows. Out. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But yeah, my, my uh, what was I starting to say about... Oh, and iOS. Yeah, I should have stopped talking. I'm <laughs> not kidding, I'm kidding. Um, I made that last one up. It's not on iOS. That's actually the most surprising of all of those. If it's on v, if it's on PlayStation, PSP 1, it should be on iOS. Like, let's be realistic. But, but yeah, the, the maybe point... Maybe it needs the buttons, I don't know. Hmm? Maybe it needs buttons. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make about Steep is like, yeah, that would have been cool on Switch. Like, I would have liked it. I granted the only reason I'm interested in it is because I like SSX Tricky and 1080 a lot, and I assume all snowboarding games on the, are the same. Even though after having tried Steep at E3, it is rather different. But you know, it, that's the type of example where if they brought it to Switch, because it's losing graphical fidelity, because it's losing some of its oomph and some of its ability, they have to make it up in some other way. Especially if it's delayed after. Like what I've noticed is with larger scale project projects coming to Switch is that publishers really want a proper return on their investor. Like, if they're going to go through the effort of ganging on Switch, they want something back. So what they all seem to be doing is, yes, giving us old ports, but they're throwing in new or exclusive stuff to really convince those 70% of Switch owners it's worth a double dip. And sometimes sometimes it's more elaborate than others. Like, to your point, that's not just an extra little thing that doesn't really make it worthwhile. You could argue that's what Dark Souls Remastered will have. It's now coming out October 19th. It's supposed to be out this summer, so much for that. But what Namco Bandai is doing is to get you to care about it on Switch, they made the Dark Souls Amiibo. See, like and that me, unlocks basically feel, nothing, but it's a cool collectible that yeah, ties it. I feel like... That's not worth it to a lot of people. Yeah, like sure. I would probably still rather play it on PS4 at that point. But yeah, that's kind of my point. Is there's like a hierarchy of how these publishers are trying to get people interested in these ports, and it's at different levels. Because like that, you, you could argue isn't worth it. But then you've got like what Square Enix is doing with the World Ends With You Final Mix, which also was just dated, by the way. It's coming out October 12th. And they're saying they're adding hours of new content and music. It's going to be $10 less than a standard MSRP game. It's going to be 50 bucks instead of 60 And it's going to have the HD visuals and the remaster and and all the control options from all the versions. Like, they're really making a definitive version. So that one, if you're a fan, may be worth the extra double dip because lots of new content, new stories, new music. Everything, no matter which version you liked, is all there, but it all looks prettier. So, like, that's more of, you know, that's more enticing maybe. The one where I'm not sure where to rank it in terms of is it a good example of a port or not is what they're doing with Diablo 3. So Diablo 3 Eternal Collection was just announced. Uh, we kind of saw it coming. It's been rumored since May before E3 and then nothing. And then suddenly on a random Wednesday, Forbes leaks that's coming out. And then the next day, well, you know, there's a video with Reggie announcing it. How did it. Forbes leak? It was under embargo at all the publishers and Forbes put the wrong date on the embargo lift. So their CMS, their content management system right? just... Lifted Pro- professionals? Yeah. professionals professionals they pulled it Genius? really fast have i ever told you a story of that's how i revealed the boogie? world exclusive of boogie the wii rhythm game from ea was a thing i i broke that story on the internet and <laughs> it was uh it was i ea you found me no it, uh did i ever tell you this story or did i no, ever no, say no, it on no, the no, air no, no. you've definitely said it on the air i mean have we've I? done almost 200 that's episodes. true well for those who didn't hear but, that one episode yeah. i'll make it really brief but basically GameSpot accidentally broke their embargo it was up for two minutes i saw it so then i when random time used to be a daily blog i basically swapped it i basically did a story where our sources are telling us there's a disco themed rhythm game coming from ea it'll come with these modes it'll do this thing and it'll be announced soon I think it took like a week for them to properly announce it again. But yeah, that week is Random Nintendo, according to sources that, from Random Nintendo. Da, 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 and yeah, it, it, I broke a game story. Is very exciting for a 17 year old Jason. Damn. Yeah. You're so old. Yeah, I know. 
But anyway, Doom or not Doom, sorry, Diablo. Diablo is one that I'm not entirely sure where to rank in terms of what it's doing. Like I think they're going above and beyond, but a lot of people online seem to disagree. So like basically, the problem with Diablo three is it came out in 2012. That's six years ago. Actually, over six years by the time this one is actually on store shelves in, in whatever weird fall time frame they stick to. And uh, it's not a remaster or a remake. It's just a new version of the same game. But it feels like Blizzard's trying to step up to differentiate it, making that double dip as worthwhile as possible. The question is, is it enough? So what Blizzard's doing is they're putting a lot of effort into ensuring that Switch owners get everything that they could possibly get so at the most basic level you know it comes with all the expansions in one package that's just, that's the mo of every third party late port so you're gonna get the reaper of souls and the rise of the necromancer stuff all that it means there's a total of and i don't know what these numbers mean because i obviously have never played diablo but you will have um a class count of seven a campaign count of five and I'm sure someone out there appreciates those numbers at a deeper level. Like, do you play Diablo? Do you appreciate what seven classes and five campaigns means? No. Okay, well, someone out there does. I wish I could, though, but that sounds like a lot. It sounds like a healthy number. I, I mean, <laughs> it might not be a smart way to compare, but if it's anything like Monster Hunter... like This is they, not all how you like compare add, <laughs> It's like saying if you added three new weapons... Yeah. I, I would say like, whoa, that's a pretty big deal because playing each weapon is almost now. Like these aren't added. These are these aren't like new. These are just the no, no, no. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. What is new is they're adding Nintendo exclusive stuff because that always seems like a way to drum up sales and get fans on a Nintendo platform interested. I mean, and these these are actually ones that make sense. Like this isn't Mario and NBA Street level weird crossover. This is Zelda in Diablo, but specifically the Dark Side Zelda. So there will be a Ganondorf armor set, for example. There'll be a Triforce picture frame. I don't know what that means. And you'll be able to have a pet uh, Kuko, like the the chicken. So they're not huge additions, but it's kind of one of those things where if you're looking at the package and you just need that little extra push, the Zelda content could be that tiny extra push. That it's kind of safe to assume that a lot of dedicated Nintendo people, kind of like Jason, that didn't really have any of the console but Nintendo have yep. never played Diablo before. That's exactly my point. So I don't... I mean, honestly, I've never played Diablo before, but... This package kind of makes me feel like oh, I, I, if I were to ever try I didn't even it get to out. The best part, by the way, if I were to ever try it out, this would be the time to try it out. And here's the best part: it's built for what Switch can do. The most significant thing here are the multiplayer options. Like everything I said, like okay, content great, but what they did is they have local multiplayer on one device. They have local multiplayer with multiple switches, up to four people in both cases. I mean, you can literally just do a wireless LAN party on the fly because this was a PC game. Diablo announced for consoles in the last few years? It came out in like 2014. It was on PS3 and Xbox 360. Like 2014? So what they did is they took that version and further... I remember that being a big deal. Like It was. Like, it was the like first time it was on co-op and like, yes. I remember seeing like a trailer or something. Exactly. So they basically took that and then grafted it onto Switch to allow it to be both on one device or multiple devices. Or, and here's the biggie, it does support online. And what's interesting is it's uh, the first reference I think I've seen any third-party game make in its marketing materials. No. Specifically. (laughs) No. 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 I'll get to that in a sec. But no, it specifically references the Switch Online service, the paid Switch Online service. Now it doesn't reference the service. They reference cloud saves. So I'm guessing Nintendo sees Diablo as a big draw for Switch Online because it is a huge online game. I mean, so it had Reggie act in it. I know that's what I was gonna say. Like you don't, Nintendo doesn't just loan out Reggie for any old reveal. Like you have to earn your Reggie. And I feel like in this instance, they're they're trying to position Diablo three as like a premier Switch Online title. 
it doesn't seem like the game's going to launch with Switch Online in September. I mean, Blizzard's only saying 2018. Every placeholder I've seen on like Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop all say 1221. Four days before Christmas doesn't sound real, so I'm guessing that's a placeholder, but they're all the same one, which is kind of weird. But either way, um, yeah, it's kind of... It seems like this is going to be a big online title for Nintendo. So it does kind of wrap back around to the question of, is it enough to justify the $60 price tag? Sounds like for us as people who have never played Diablo and don't have a system that currently has Diablo on it, because you have a PS4, you don't have a PS3 that you use anymore, it sounds like this may be enticing for us, but what about that like 70% of Switch owners who maybe do have a way to play Diablo? Is this, is this enough? Which brings me to the cross-play issue. I shot that down so fast because weirdly enough for the Switch, which is all about crossplay, Diablo doesn't support crossplay currently. They're investigating the possibility, but as of now, it is not a confirmed feature, which is weird because like Blizzard seems very aware of the fact that they need to position this game towards double dippers, towards people who have played yeah, it before. I would be very interested. I would be way more interested in playing it because I have a friend that that played Diablo or plays Diablo 3 and I would love to be able to play with them. Yeah, my, but I wouldn't really trust my computer to play it, so this would be the only way. Yeah, and 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 what I was starting to say before is it's weird in that they know the people that are buying this game are often going to be people that already own a Diablo three. Like this is the one version of Diablo three where you can skip the main campaign. You go straight to all the stuff that comes after and getting all that. Oh. Because they know, you know, this game's six years old. So to then simultaneously be like. You can only play with friends on your Switch. Maybe you'll be Ganon. That'd be cool, right? You like Ganon guys, right? But you are paying $60 to only play with those new Switch friends. I can see why some people are hesitant. I mean, the the, the hopeful thing is that Blizzard pulls through with crossplay, which... And I guess it's no different than when they release, re-released Bayonet on the Switch. That was just straight up port. But that's a little different because it's not the, like a premiere online title that they're mm. trying. And, this, and Blizzard's making all these weird comments about the how like... action title... Yeah, but Blizzard's making all these comments about, like, they told Game... Uh, basically, they're saying that... Um, they told Kotaku in an interview that Diablo is serving as, and I quote, an exploration of the platform of Switch. They told GameSpot that technically other Blizzard games, like Overwatch, are feasible on Switch. But they're different teams. They haven't done it yet. There's a lot of technical stuff they have to go through. So it seems like without them saying it, they're stressing that the exploration of the platform is a very positive one. They're very happy with what bringing this to Switch and what Switch can do and what it can be with Blizzard on board. But it seems like Diablo is still one of those stupid litmus tests that a lot of third parties like to do for Nintendo platforms. Oh, so my concern is... Like Capcom, they do so many of them. They finally stopped, and now we get yeah. like a bajillion. But my concern is... If enough people are unhappy... We never got that Saturday morning yet. election. They're still doing old games. Just you wait. Yeah. My, my concern, though, is that if enough people are not on board with $60 Diablo 3 because they already own the game and there's not enough new content, there's no cross-play, will that send the wrong message to Blizzard? And will we not see Overwatch or even like Hearthstone or anything like that? Like it's, I, I don't know if it's a real concern, but it's a concern. And I mean, the, the, the good news is... If Diablo were to retroactively get crossplay, they've got their top people on it. I mean, the the development of this port is being handled by Iron Galaxy. They're the guys that did the Skyrim port for Switch, and that got very well received. And it took them only nine months to make this Diablo port. So, assuming they're that speedy and that good, that seems like a good sign I that I completely forgot Skyrim was on Switch. It sold actually surprisingly well. Huh. But yeah, uh, my my point with Iron Galaxy is if they were able to do that that quickly, conceivably they can figure out a way to do crossplay relatively soon 
either after launch or maybe since there's still a few months runway until it comes I out. That's another launch. example of a premiere adventure game that's really old that yeah. got ported to the And Switch. that one did well. So um, so it's possible that Diablo's going to do equally well. I mean, they're catering to a similar audience. They both have Zelda crossovers. They're both by the same developer. Like, clearly they're trying to strike the same chord and appeal to the same crowd. We'll see if it works. Um, but I'm hoping that whether or not there's crossplay, whatever Diablo 3 is in its final capacity, I'm hoping it's appealing enough to those 70% of Switch owners who may have already played it to get enough sales to get Blizzard to not, you know, do a Nintendo game once every 15 years. I mean, realistically, of those 70% of Switch owners that already have oh, yeah, they the other console, it. it's probably only like 30% or less. True, very because true. Because Diablo is definitely more of a PC thing. Oh, absolutely. And it, yeah, and I didn't mean to imply they all bought it, but it's just like, you know, they're they're targeting a group that may or may not they had the opportunity to play it, whether they did or not, it's different. But now they have the opportunity again. So how you sell them on that opportunity, whether they snatched the opportunity the first time or not. So, yeah, because like I was saying, I don't think I think more than once every fifteen years would be a nice track record for Blizzard. Their last game was on the that was literally a decade and a half ago. So yeah, so yeah. The fun, the funny thing about all this talk of enhanced ports is that uh, the one company who doesn't seem to really get the idea that you need to throw in extra value is Nintendo itself. I mean, I should clarify, they get it, they just don't need it. I mean, look at how we've talked about it before, but look at how Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is doing. They added nothing but an easy mode with a funky new skin, and it has sold way bigger, better numbers than it did on Wii U. Or like Captain Toad, they added four new levels, but then they took away four levels. So it's the same number of levels, and I don't know how that's doing yet. We'll find out soon. But, you know, Nintendo seems to really like to do the bare minimum when they port over Wii U games. And now there's this rumor from uh, comicbook.com. It's by Liam Robertson. Uh... He is better known as Dr. Cupcakes on Twitter. He's an insider that has predicted things right before, including Mario and Rabbids. And he has heard from his sources that uh, the Switch may be getting a port of New Super Mario Brothers U. It'll be an enhanced port, and it could be as early as this year, as in, like, potentially before the end of 2018. And the, the rumor apparently stems from some Nintendo of Europe sources. They tipped him off. The same sources um, that tipped him off about Mario Just Rabbids, actually. Just to make him sound like a fool. Well, maybe. Maybe, like, you got Rabbids right, but you're going to get this wrong. But either way, he... Nothing, they have to keep But on. here's the thing. He's a good journalist. He corroborated it with other folks in the industry who are in the know. So he's heard from multiple independent groups of people that this port is happening. And according to all these sources, the plan is the game's going to combine all the content of the original New Super Mario Bros. U with what came in New Super Luigi U, the follow-up DLC, and then to perhaps go attack some new stuff on as well. That's where it gets a little fuzzier. One idea is that the new stuff is just going to be the 200-ish uh, expert play videos they put out. Like, do you remember when they, they re-released Mario U with Luigi U included in it, and they had 200, like, walkthrough videos, and it was all part of the Nintendo Classics line. So when they dropped the price of Mario U, they stuffed that all in there. So one theory is it's just going to be that, and that alone, which would be kind of boring. The other theory is the game's supposedly going to be called New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, and the last time a Mario game had Deluxe in the title, it was Super Mario Bros. Deluxe on Game Boy Color, which was an enhanced port slash remake of Super Mario Brothers. There were pictures you could collect on that one. There were pictures, there were red coin challenges, there was all this stuff in the levels beyond just the standard level stuff you're used to in a Mario game. So the other theory is perhaps they're going to do that to the levels of Mario U. Now what I think would be cool, but will never happen because it's Nintendo, is if they add a level editor. Like, they could port over the Mario Maker functionality. They can limit it, you know, to just the new Super Mario Brothers skin, just those item sets, but it offered an easy way for Nintendo to add a ton of new content to a game that a lot of core fans probably already played by literally just crowdsourcing the new content. 
They really should do that. Right? Wouldn't it be like, cool? Yeah, like, literally just make it just the Mario U stuff. Yeah. Because then they yeah. already have the community because, aspects built. They already have the build, the level builder built. They're just porting over two different Wii U games into one package. And honestly, like, that franchise has, like, been played to death that I'm pretty sure people will, like, riot in the streets if it's just another Mario. Only the subset of core fans, to be honest. There's a lot of people who never you... bought a Wii U, so it's a new game to them. Yeah, but they play New Super Mario Bros. Wii, therefore they already play New Super Mario Bros. U. No, oh, let's be fair to you. It had some cool level design. There was some interesting stuff in there. It wasn't the it best in the cool series. It backgrounds. It had some very gorgeous hand-painted looking backgrounds. Things. Yes. I, I enjoy Mario U. No, I, I did. Luigi I, U was even better because of the I 100%ed design. all of them. They're, yeah. they're all fine and dandy games, but like, I wouldn't really recommend one to anybody if... I don't know. It's weird. It's a really weird thing. Like, I would... I don't know. I really like Mario. I feel like I one... really like New Super Mario Brothers Wii a lot. Personally, yeah, I, I did like that game. That game actually it, it was to, pretty solid. Like, it's speed it run. Good. I think I got it down yeah. to like less than twenty minutes or something yeah. like that. I mean, honestly, like let's be honest, Nintendo's not going to put a third of Mario Maker into a port of Mario U when they can easily just sell ports of each separately a year apart and make double the money. But I can dream and dream I will. But regardless of what's in the package or like how they chop it up or whatever. Uh, should Mario U be real and be out this year, it's a good example, and really the latest example, of this whole like shorter announcement cycle that Nintendo's been doing as of late and how it actually really works. Because it used to be, we knew every game very far in advance. We had a roadmap for the whole year at E3, and that was that. Okay, there's five games coming out this year. I will look forward to them. Thank you for your time. I will see you in three months. And that was it. But by doing it this way, you know, dropping surprises like Diablo 3 this past week or Labo's Vehicle Kit a couple weeks ago, it gives more content to talk about here on the show and obviously that's nintendo's intention no but seriously it gives everyone more to talk about with switch it's good pr it makes the switch constantly exciting it's constantly in the news there's new stuff happening you're always hearing switch 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 it's just good marketing like why why let there be an opportunity for people to stop thinking about the switch well you can keep them constantly thinking about the games on the switch so doing constant reveals all the time is the way to guarantee that and it's fine because since e3 which is only eight weeks ago now, we've had, just on the first party side, Go Vacation get announced, and that led into Octopath, Tra- Octopath Traveler's launch, and that led into the Labo Vehicle Kit announcement, and that led into the Smash Direct, and Smash Direct led into Diablo featuring Reggie, and now potentially Diablo's leading into Mario U, if this rumor turns out to be true. Like, that's a lot of things in eight weeks. And usually the period after E3 was dead. It used to be Nintendo would have E3 and then just stop talking or doing anything or do like you know they just go silent. There'd be nothing until the last week of of uh, August normally, where they release their first fall release and then they start ramping up from there. But in the time that they normally go silent, they have had something going on almost every two weeks. So it it you know it it's a good marketing move, like I was saying. Plus, all the games they're using in the shorter hype cycle, they are very strategically ports or just games that can be carried by word of mouth alone like longer tail releases ones that don't need the day one hype like if you you don't need six months to rack up pre-orders for diablo 3 or labo because if people have those experiences as they're playing four-player local wireless land of diablo with their friends and decide to get it so they can you know like play on their own switch or if they're building a labo cardboard vehicle i'm like this is cool i want to do this myself they'll go check them out. They, Nintendo doesn't need to build up marketing like they do for Smash Bros. or Pokemon where it's this huge event and you need to make sure they're day one for it. It's like you got you can't miss the first... You can't miss playing Smash on December 7th. Everyone has got to be doing it. Like you can 
be two weeks late to a port of Diablo 3 or Mario U and still buy it and still enjoy it. And that seems to be why E3 was so much, these few games that are really, the hype cycle's important and everything else. Like, yeah, we can just announce things willy-nilly and we'll still get the sales. It's fine. And it's actually interesting because um, Matt Piscatella of NPD, he's one of their analysts. He's actually a pretty public-facing one. He tweets a lot. He tweeted the other day that day one sales don't even matter as much anymore. Like, it used to be that day one sales, like, you sell a lot at launch and kind of taper off, but now, generally speaking, day one only indi- – pre-orders only indicate how day one will do, and day one isn't a be-all, end-all. I, I actually misspoke. It's pre-orders, he says. Pre-order numbers don't matter as much anymore because day one doesn't matter as much anymore. So Is that why it feels like pre-order bonuses haven't – Yes. As aggressive in the last And that's year, also probably why collector's year? editions have slowly died down a little. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I mean – It is. Because everything's longer tail. Like, because of Twitch, because of social media, because of we'll be us, definitely kind people of went like a little us. overboard with them. Oh, totally, yeah. But because of all that, like, you're hearing about games months after they happen. And it's still interesting to you, and you'll go buy it. Because of digital storefronts, you don't have to go hunt down a game. You just download it. Oh, so I can't wait to download Smash Brothers at 9 p.m. the day before. It on comes Thursday, out. December yeah. 6th, yeah. Yep. But yeah, so, like, this idea that games... I mean, some games definitely benefit from a hype cycle because it's like an event. It's like a movie event where everyone's seeing Avengers the first weekend. You gotta do it. You gotta be part of that conversation. Smash will hit that. Pokemon will hit that. But for the other stuff, Nintendo can announce things tomorrow, have them come out in October, and they can sell just as well as if they announced it at E3, which is what we're seeing them do. So I, I think it's interesting. That they're taking that approach. But with all that said, uh, we've talked a lot. All that with said. all that said, I just thought it was interesting. But with all that said, we talked a lot about what is being ported to Switch. But if there is one game I would want to be ported to Switch, I have a new contender. Time Splitters 2. This is my little bucket, wish list, bucket list here. So THQ Nordic announced the other day that they bought the rights to both the Time Splitter series and Second Sight, which if you remember was that stealth game, like that psychosis stealth game thing on GameCube. It's kind of like what Geist probably wanted to be, but wasn't. Anyway, um, they haven't said what they're doing with the licenses yet, but THQ Nordic is pretty big on the whole enhanced port thing. You know, the Blob 1 and 2's on Switch. Darkstalkers 3 was back on Wii U of all things. Like that, it, you know, they're good at porting. So I don't think it would be very far-fetched to say that the GameCube best shooter should come to switch and have you have you ever played time splitters 2 no i haven't because the announcement of just them getting the license is very exciting because time splitters 2 let, let me break it down for you i mean i've heard the buzz around it yes it's very I good i saw it i guess around the time that it came out but i don't know i don't know i guess I it's ve- so what's cool about it is it was made by a company called free radical design and they are comprised or were comprised of a lot of former rare developers who worked on goldeneye and perfect dark so in many ways, what Time Splitters was was the spiritual successor to those games. Like the ebb and flow of the multiplayer, how the maps were designed, uh, if I remember correctly, even how the pause menu looked. Like all that was very GoldenEye-esque. But it didn't necessarily take itself as seriously. It didn't have the Bond license. It was a little more wacky. So you had playable characters in multiplayer that included like a cyborg, a bunch of different humans, some like commandos, and then also like a lawyer or a henchman or an accountant yeah, I saw there was like a chicken there's a, a chicken there i don't remember a chicken but there's a bear there's a monkey oh, yeah i watched a video recently there's oh a, okay oh yeah. no there was a duck it was a duck oh yeah it's a duck it's a duck and the ducks are also enemies in the single player at one point and the funny thing is like all these characters sound ridiculous but they all have there's their own with presley there's no it's presley but they all had their own stats they all had their own height and speed differences so like if you're playing against a monkey you actually had to shoot lower to hit the monkey yeah, is it like a gingerbread man yes something? there is yes there is 
But, uh, yeah, it's somehow, like, even, I think it was something like 100 different characters or 92 or some crazy number. And even with all that, the game was still, like, really balanced and a really, really fun shooter. Even So they just strictly multiplayer? Or no, a... that's the crazy thing. So that's multiplayer, which was a self-contained awesome thing on its own. But then Time Splitters 2 also had um, a pretty elaborate single player. So there's a whole campaign, kind of played out like Goldeneye. I think there's literally, if I remember correctly, there was literally a damn level, just like the first level, Goldeneye. But on top of that, they had a challenge mode where you can do individual, basically, missions. Almost like what would now be achievements, but self-contained. And then on top of that was a full-on level editor to build your own maps. All in one game. In 2003. Like, it's super... Smash Brothers Ultimate? It's it's GoldenEye Ultimate, basically. Like, it was super ahead of its time, it feels like. And my dream is, since we're talking so much about ports and since this news came out, my dream is just... Take everything that was in Time Splitters 2, remaster it in HD. You don't even need to, like, just up-res it. Don't bother building new polygons. Just whatever gets it looking decent enough on Switch to get it out quick. So remaster in HD, put full online for multiplayer, and you have an awesome Switch shooter right there. And one that stands out compared to what we currently have as the big heavy hitters on Switch, because most of those, the Fortnites and the Paladins of the world, those are third-person. Time Splitters would be an actual... FPS, an actual first-person shooter. So, I'm just saying, THQ Nordic, please make this happen. I can guarantee you at least one whole copy will be sold to me. So, that should make it worthwhile to you. <laughs> but no, I think I actually think it would do quite well. Yeah, like it has a, a pretty, volume. yeah, it seems to have a pretty strong one at that. So. Yeah. So like I am like when I saw that news, it broke in like the middle of the night, and I was like, oh my god! And I was like immediately tweeting like, this is you know just like oh I need we need this HD remake to happen, please. So. Yeah, I really hope it does. And I, I want to brought it up if we weren't talking about ports anyway, but it is such a perfect opportunity to gush about how much I love Times Players. So well, there's an opportunity for me to see the light. So. Exactly. And, and you know, there's really – there's no real way to transition away from me begging a publisher halfway around the world to release a game from 2003 on a system from 2017. So I'm not going to try. Instead, Angel, hi. How are you? Um, hi. Let's, uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. So you've been playing Flipping Death. As you mentioned, and Hearthstone, and her, right, but one they just came out with a new expansion. The yeah, Boom, a for, a, a the fortunately, it's not yet on Switch. If Diablo three does well, perhaps it will be, or if the uh, Elder Scrolls card game does well, perhaps I'll let um, Blizzard see the light. But what, watch out for the wacky Doctor Boom. Good life advice. I don't know what it means, but it sounds like great life advice. Yes. Yeah, but how's Slipping Death? The one that actually is on Nintendo system, yeah, even though you played it on PS four. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the same game. Yeah, it's, it's the exact same yeah, game. Yeah, so, so how is it? Cause so, like Stick It to the Man, this is one of those, um, it's a fetch quest game. It's by the same people, for those who don't know. Yeah. It's by it, uh, Zoink. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I enjoy this kind of game. It's basically one giant puzzle game disguised as a narrative-driven game. But it's also, but it plays like a platformer. And essentially, you talk to someone... And they'll be like, oh, man, I wish my boat was blue. There's an example. It's from the game. And then you'll be, all right, how can I make this boat blue? And then you see, oh, there's a giant paint bucket. Huh, I can't interact with this paint bucket in any way. Maybe there's some other thing I could use. So you have to find the object that lets you interact with the paint bucket. Then you have to figure out how you have to get the paint to the boat using different objects. And then when you succeed, you complete that mission, move on. But that's kind of how the game progresses. Now, the way you actually play it is actually really cool, and I definitely can't talk about that without describing the aesthetic of the game, which is 
definitely like a step above like stick it to the man stick it to the man on this game both have a a paper mario look to them everything is flat like intentionally every everyone looks like they're made out of a single sheet of paper all mm-hmm. the buildings like whenever you enter them they roll up so you can see inside of them and yeah, everything just looks like they're made of paper but i guess the reason it's called flipping death is that your main character right in the beginning of the game dies and i feel like that's probably as far as I'm going to go with describing the story because everything I feel should just be... It's all story-driven, yeah. Yeah, so even the smallest things and the smallest jokes I feel are just better left unsaid because it's a comedy and yeah, I don't want to spoil anything that could be potentially funny or little twists like that. I mean, I would appreciate it, so I figure you guys would too. But essentially, once because you die in the beginning and you become a temp for the Grim Reaper, you get the ability to possess people in the real world. And what's neat is that it kind of, I guess, uses what the Yoshi Woolly World, not even Woolly World, Yoshi's uh, Yoshi's Woolly Universe. His world flipped upside down. I think it's just called Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi for Switch. Yeah, Yeah. Yoshi for Switch. It kind of does this thing where when you're in the world of the living, you see you walk left to right. It's a side scroller, so but you jump up and down, whatever. Like you see it on this plane and then when you're in the world of the dead the world completely does a 180 and that's the whole world of the dead so the front of a building will look like a normal building but the back of a building of that same building will look like a creepy monster or what would be like a cactus would be some other monster that will chase after you i'm always amazed at the how they go about designing those sorts of things like where something looks instant on one side but then the other side is crazy. like they have to really think about the like yeah designing it just like from a visual standpoint is really yeah so like visually it's really neat just seeing that transition but then you also have to consider like man like in the world of the dead i can easily go pretty much from one side of the screen to the other end of the world just yeah. by walking left and right but on the world of the living there's a lot more obstacles you can't like there's where would there where there would be like in the world of the dead a bunch of platforms across the pond you can't just jump into the pond you need a boat or you need some way to get across that so you have to figure out when to control people in the living to get across an obstacle that you can in the world of the dead to go back to the world of the dead and just switch back and forth and every person you possess has a different what they call a gimmick or just a little ability like there's literally a person that just points things i mean oh that pokes things like his arm is like a like a stretchy rubber arm and he just and his objective is he just wants to poke everything so you have to poke at buttons you poke at things just to see what it interacts with. there's a dentist that has the drill that you can control and the funny thing is that when you possess these people from the world of the dead and it flips around to the world of the living they know they're being possessed but they don't know by what so they're just like whoa my body is acting on its own whoa what's going on and you can read their thoughts and see what they're what they're thinking, depending on whether what they're thinking is relevant to your current objective. But sometimes you just might want the fact that they that you control their tongue for whatever reason, or that you control that set drill to drill something, or their hand to poke at something else. Mm-hmm. Like they're just puzzle pieces that you have to find the other puzzle piece. And that's pretty much the whole game. Like it's a simple. Well, actually, it's not a simple puzzle game. It's you do it does. It is one of those like that you can get stuck really easily if you're not paying attention to every single little thing. Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I know I have to, like I said, you have to get that blue paint to the boat. But you try poking at the paint and it's like, okay, that's not working. So you kind of 
yeah, there's going to be some trial and error if you don't see it right away or if you don't if you don't explore around a lot. This is one of the few games where you definitely want to explore and see everything you can every do nook and, cranny. and talk to every single person because that one person that's hiding in that one building in the second story that you skipped because you just didn't go there is probably the key to that puzzle that you have to solve right in the beginning. Uh, so yeah. if you miss that, then you're going to be stuck for a while until you go there. And then it's going to be like, oh, my God, it could either be frustrating. It would be an aha moment or it would be a, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it is like I thought I could just roll the paint bucket down the hill because it's on the top of a hill. But no, it's slightly more convoluted than that. But sometimes I appreciate the convolutedness because it's more wacky. Right. Yeah, and that's flipping death. So if, if, if someone's played Stick It to the Man... What would you say? Like, for sure, get? Yeah, I mean, I know they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah, related. I, think you recommend. So, I, I yeah. mean, I would just recommend it to anyone that likes platform puzzle games mm, right? with a wacky story. I mean, the main character dies and becomes Death's Temp. So, I mean, that kind of already gives you the, the tone of the game. Yeah, yeah. And I the, mean, I love the look of it. And, and the plot thickens. I mean, it has a very distinct art style. Some people might find it really ugly. I don't really find it ugly. It I just feels find very it... much like they're trying to channel Tim Burton, but then do their own thing with it. Yeah, it's just very stuff. Like, like everybody's mouths open up. Like, what's the best way to describe it? The top of their heads don't connect to. Their they're body. like the Canadians in South Park. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Literally yeah. like that, but with way more detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flipping death. There you go. So I've also been playing Flipping a puzzle death. game. But mine's a more traditional puzzle game. It's uh, it's called Yuso. It came out on the Switch back in July. You're so happy with this game? I'm, I'm pretty content with it. Yeah, the developers are actually kind enough to send along a code to try it out. So thanks to those guys for that. But I will admit, at first glance, if you look at Yuso, it doesn't really catch your attention. Like, no matter which screenshots or which footage you look at, mm, you so see – All you see – Okay, Jar Jar. All you <laughs> see are little – Faces Like, you see some round faces, some square faces, and they're on a checkerboard background. That's what every screenshot of this game looks like. But in motion, it all kind of, like, bobs and moves in this tiny little way. And those faces are actually the key component of the game's puzzle system. So how it works is you're tasked with clearing each level's game board. And the faces, or the usos as they're called, uh, they represent the different puzzle pieces that need to be cleared. So in order to clear them, you need to have two or more of the same color face, uso, side by side. You can then press one of them, either with a button-based cursor or directly on the touchscreen. Yes, this is one of those few Switch games that uses the touchscreen. And uh, you pop them. when you either, However you press them, you pop them. Uh, and the trick is, any neighboring, any neighboring, any neighboring <laughs> USOs of a different color, as soon as the pop happens, they will now change to the color you just cleared. It's like a little color explosion goes off, and it like, hits them, and they morph into that color, too. And that, as you can imagine then leaves you having to think a few steps ahead about how you're popping one set or duo of Yuso because that'll affect the next set. And then how will that set affect the set after that? And you're essentially trying to best sequence, find the best sequence of each stage to solve the puzzle in a nutshell. And there are, of course, different Yuso to factor in as well. So the main ones are circles, and they just pop once touched, uh, you know, assuming they're sa- they have same-colored neighbors. But there are also sleeping Yuso's that are these square ones, and they require what amount to two pops in order to actually disappear. So you're not just trying to clear the circular Yuso on a given level. You also need to ensure that when the pop wakes up its neighboring sleeping one, the next turn leaves you with a way to pop that second one too, or a later turn. It doesn't necessarily have to be the next turn, but a later turn. 
And then to add a third layer to all this are stage obstacles like nightcaps, which take they take the place of usos and they kick in instead of being like you know dependent on what's popped around them. They just serve depending on how many actions you take. So a nightcap may kick in after say three moves, and then what it does is put all the usos around it to sleep. So now what were once one and remove actions because you didn't act fast enough to remove these nightcaps are now two and remove actions. And what you start to learn is this whole system of some take one, some take two, some take three. You need to use all that kind of together to solve these puzzles and figure out the right sequence. So it sounds like a lot, but once you get into the ebb and flow of it, it all clicks together pretty well. Um, some of the stages are really easy to figure out. A lot are actually quite tricky and require some pretty strategic popping, for lack of a better term. Um, one nice thing is that the game always offers the ability to rewind instantly. So you can go all the way back to your first action, step by step, every time you press the button. And it's, and it's nice because like, instead of having to redo everything each time you screw up, you can just undo the one or two actions to try a different approach with the, with you know just a button press. You just need to hit undo, and then you can start doing your new approach. You don't need to rethink or remember even how you started to, to get where you're at. Of course, the downside of a rewind button like that is that in a way it kind of removes the challenge. Like individual puzzles are still tricky, and some are like really just straight up difficult. But you're not rated on anything beyond just beating it, since you literally can undo any mistake. That means there's no time bonuses or no in-stage challenges like you know complete in three moves or less you really what this means is you can if you want just do a bunch of trial and errors and keep like doing it then undoing it then doing it then undoing it which kind of undercuts the game but if you don't want to be strategic that's technically a way you can play and no matter how you approach it the right way of actually thinking things through or just trial error um you are just playing through each puzzle then you're moving on to the next puzzle. They do have a nice option where you can actually skip puzzles if you find them too difficult and come back to them later. Like, it's a linear progression, but you have some flexibility. So that's kind of cool. But ultimately, it's just one journey. Like, once you're done with the puzzles, you're done. Like, it's all totally fine, and it's a fun ride. But there is not a whole lot of replay value because there's no reason to go back. Once you solved it, you solved it. That's it. Like, there's no further motivators, I guess I should say. Uh, there's luckily a decent number of stages, though. So hmm, That was my next question. Yeah, there luckily are. There's um, 80 stages billed as being in the game, 80 plus, but in reality it's about 100. I think it's actually exactly 100. Um, you have to unlock the last 20. I haven't actually gotten through all the stages yet, but from what I've experienced, they mostly follow the same rhythm and mechanics. Um, the sense of progress really comes in, well, obviously from the puzzles getting harder as you go. But also, there's this like light narrative that wraps the whole game up in this idea of you're freeing every planet in our solar system from the use so. So I guess the use are actually little aliens or something, and you're popping them. I don't ask me. But each planet you go to, um, you before you start the stages, and I think there's ten per planet or so, you get to talk to a spirit or a representative or something, this, this character of each planet, and they all have their own different banter and their own personality, their own personalities, and it's very like light-hearted dialogue and whatnot. But it does kind of give a little structure of things and make it feel like you're making your way through. And then the only real difference once you're in the world, besides it's a new set of puzzles and it has a new character that talks to you, is the background music actually changes. And what's kind of nice is I've noticed that so far every single song really gels well with what, with like the puzzling and everything. Like it really they match extremely well, so that's kind of nice. But but that's pretty much it. Like the downside of the game is, as I was saying before, um, there isn't much beyond the main progression through the puzzles. And I guess those unlockable stages thereafter. Like, there's no real motivator to return to once you've beaten. There's no high scores kept. But, you know, I'm making my way through it. I'm finding myself enjoying the initial run a lot. Um, it has kind of this nice airiness of, like, a laid-back puzzler, which is, you know, different than, say, something like 
Tetris or Poyo Pop or even Luminis. Uh, so that, that's kind of nice. And uh, it does have some actual tricky, difficult puzzles along the way. So it's not just super easy. But it, it's it's captivating. Like I found myself playing, okay, I'll do one more. Okay, I'll do one more. And just going longer than I thought. Plus, to be entirely honest with you, it is very satisfying because the HD rumble goes off every time you pop a, uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of the Usos. So that that's just nice. Um, Uso satisfying. Yeah, it, it, indeed, Jar Jar, indeed. <laughs> but uh, judging by the speed at which I'm personally progressing through it right now, I suspect the game will only last folks a short while, but it's also only 8 bucks. So I don't find that to be too problematic that short or on the shorter side. Um, some people might, but if you're looking for like an original fun little puzzler on Switch, which weirdly... If you think about it, there aren't that many like this. Like the three I mentioned before, like the three biggest ones, like the three only ones. But you so, you know, that could de- it could definitely scratch the itch for you for that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'd recommend checking it out if that's what you're looking for. It's, it's a cool little little puzzler. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's basically you so. Huh. So, so with that, I think that does it for this episode. Um, our next episode is coming up on September 2nd. And my suspicion is, gonna be, is that it's going to be pretty packed with some cool indie news. Because uh, PAX West takes place the same weekend as our podcast and normally what that means is going into pax west nintendo hosts their ninnies at night event so who knows whether that means more info on no more heroes traffic strikes again it is still due out this year after all and it is technically an indie game who knows if they have other surprises but we'll of course on the show bring you our thoughts on all of it along with the regular batch of news and game impressions and all that good stuff so to make sure you don't miss it you can subscribe to us everywhere we're on apple Podcasts, we're on google Podcasts, we're on tune in we're on stitcher we're on you name it we're there pod bean there's one i've never dropped before but that's one um you can also if you prefer subscribe to us on youtube our channel is random nintendo.com and we now post every podcast episode there as well you as i always point out can also follow us on twitter at ram nintendo and follow us individually on twitter i am jsr7 1999 by the way what I, f- I completely forgot about that i was looking it up right now because i when you what mentioned is? oh flipping death yeah when you mentioned the price right i was like oh I yeah flipping death is 1999 yeah 1999 yeah. just so you know and you can also now with that nod you know what you can do you can tweet it to to angel at uh wero w-e-i-r-o underscore i don't know why you would tell him something he just told you but the option's there for you um no <laughs> if anything um Tell me, um, what was that thing that I was saying that I could be wrong about? I don't remember. That I wanted someone Dude, to correct been, me on. It's it was, been two hours. I don't I remember. But yeah, w- anyone listening, rewind, correct us on any part. We're always up to it. Correct us at Ram Nintendo or individually. And um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to leave everyone with this. There are only 110 days until Super Smash Bros. Ultimate arrives. Just think about that. Man, just, only, just let that seep into your brain. That's only 110 days for only me to... Be productive. Yeah, you have 110 days to get your life together and then watch it all fall apart. Literally. And we'll see you guys in two weeks as the decline begins. (laughs) 